reading, like your players, you're reading the defense. You know exactly, like you, you gotta be, again, getting out of the way, you gotta be nimble. And you're expected to put the ball where the ball is supposed to go. Yeah. 40, 50 yards down the, the field. Mm-hmm. And you do it? Do you ever feel like, like we could be holding or something like yeah. that? It's a nice smooth rock. Yeah. I'm skipping rock. <laughs> Welcome to the Any Last Words Pod. My name is Earl Lonnie Hooks. A very special thanks to everybody that will be joining us today on SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, as well as YouTube. The God in me honors the God in each and every one of you. Today, we have a couple very interesting people in here today. I'm extremely excited to do this for various reasons. Uh, Another one, well, the one that matters most is the fact that I'm just meeting new people at an extreme rate these days. Hmm. Vince. Yeah. Blaze. What up? Is Blaze on is that on your Yes, it is. It That's is. on the birth certificate. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Why? I was named after a stripper. Hey! <laughs> oh, this is gonna be such a great episode! Yeah. Yes! Uh! <laughs> My name is Blaze Star. See, wait, that like that's your middle name. Yeah. Blaze Star Holland. Holland. Yeah. Vince. I was named after my dad. Okay. <laughs> so was he also a stripper? He was not. He wasn't. He, oh, okay. But it's funny because my full name is Venicent. It's like innocent with a V. Venicent. Yeah. So like people always misspell it because there's an extra I in there. It's like V I N I. And I tell people, my name's Vince. And they're like, Vincent? I'm like, no. Just one syllable. Just Vince. one. Yeah. Just. If you want to make sure to ruin any relationship that you might possibly have with Vince, misspell his name for this podcast. <laughs> oh, man. No, <laughs> After yeah. he just explained would, it to would, you. <laughs> would, would, would you like, do you not do venison because no one is ever going to get that right for the most part? Like, you probably run into it too many times where they're just like, come on, dude. Like, let's just yeah, go. Yeah. I've had to preempt a lot of people like, hey, listen, on my diploma, you have to spell it correctly. On my work, you know, documents, please spell it correctly. Yeah. But because growing up, my dad's nickname was Vinny. Mm. My name, my nickname was Vince, and that's always the distinction. Mm. Vinny and Vince. Okay. Yeah. Blaze Star, mm-hmm. please walk us through this. Uh, okay, so the the best I know about Blaze Star is that she was a, a famous dancer in the fifties in Texas. She was a, an exotic dancer, and um, my mom was a stripper when I was younger. And this lady is a person that she looked up to. Ah, so, very nicely done. Yeah, and so as an adult, it's very cool. But like as like a second grader, it was like less cool because uh. I knew. And I didn't know not to tell like my teachers and my principal and they're like, cause everybody has the same reaction. They're like, Oh my gosh, that's such a cool name. How'd you get it? Do people know <laughs> what that is in second, third grade? Like the peers. teachers do. Well, yeah. Teachers. yeah, yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> no, other second graders didn't ask me how I got the name blaze. They just called me glaze and laughed at me. It's okay. <laughs> It's interesting though. It is. Okay, Blaze Star. I'm with that. Now the reason I'm super excited or the main reason is because with me meeting so many people again at an accelerated rate at this point in my life, I come into what is the gym called? The CrossFit Manassas. It's just CrossFit Manassas with Mikey and 
I well, the first day, neither one of you were there. Right. But I got worked out like crazy. Like I didn't row like that before. I heard all I, about it. I didn't. Mikey told me all about it. He was like, Why? you missed my friend Earl. We told him not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> he went out so fast. We told him not to do it. It's a good time. I did. Okay. So I don't know if I still have it. So you're right. It was six intervals. Uh-huh. And Mikey said, you know, row for, you know, do the best you can. The whole thing is to stay where you are, sustain or get quicker. I'm like, okay, like, all right. Now I've I've rode before. I just didn't row <laughs> under that format. So I'm rowing and I'm pulling and he's like, hey man, uh, that's a crazy pace. It's a crazy pace. And I'm like, ah, I feel all right. And it wasn't until the third interval where I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't have been rowing at this pace. But so it went. 149, 148, 148, 147, 146, and then I lost it in like 150 or something that's like that. The last crazy. one, the last okay, one. Okay, first of all, three seconds slower is not losing it. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's oh, pretty right. good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, okay, first okay. doing that. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, I had a great workout. Okay. Uh, then, then I come the next day, and I meet both of you. I meet you for like. Five seconds, Vince, before I'm on the way out. Um, And we just had a a very quick conversation about the fact that you actually have been wanting to start a podcast for a long time. Yeah. yeah. And do you feel like that is a large part of why you are here today in my home? (laughs) For sure. I think uh, I like having good conversations with people. Right. Like folks who can be conversationalists. I think it's a real art. Okay. How often do you find yourself in that position with, with, with what you deem to be a good conversationalist, not just someone that you're having a conversation with? I'm sure you do that all the time. Yeah, I do. But maybe less than I would like to. Oh. Less, they're, they're not as substantial. Yeah. You know, they're like single serving conversations or this is mm. just because of the nature of our relationship professionally. Yeah. So it happens, but not as often as I would like. Okay. Yeah. She, you mostly get it from. I was about her, to say. I'm her. sure he means outside of talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's not scintillating conversations. Yeah, because I mean, we get to talk, <laughs> but I feel like that's just like one of the perks of being married to you. So it's like, damn, that was <laughs> good job, sir. That was a strong recovery if I've ever seen one. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. He's like, uh, but uh. you, but you know what's funny is you kind of just exhibited something I did want to talk about. So I meet you right because mm-hmm. you're training us that day mm-hmm. and you're pushing me. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. I've been talking about on here with a few different people that the narratives that you spin in your mind about people, people that maybe you've never met, you've never said a word to, you just see them and mm-hmm. you profile them, you analyze them top to bottom, and you come up with some story about who they are, what they ought to be, or whatever the case is. Now you were there. In trainer mode, mm-hmm. right? You you are at least at that point in time, but now you're here and the little quips like this, and you got the Metallica shirt on. So I was gonna say, in trainer mode, you are an intense person. But now people are probably listening, thinking, "Well, her name is Blaze Star. <laughs> you just told us she got a Metallica shirt on. She's yeah. she's making the the quick witty quips." <laughs> She's a trainer. Do you just do most things intensely? Do you feel like you do things with a little bit more 
earnestness than most. It's funny. I'm not even looking at Vince right now. I imagine he's just laughing. <laughs> he's laughing at me, pausing, and even considering Because he's it. thinking, he's like, what are we thinking he's like, about? like, uh, yes, <laughs> yes, sweetie is the answer. Um, I, I, I would say, yeah, but um, probably what it actually is, what it feels like to me is that I just don't know any other way to do things. Like, it doesn't feel like, okay, I'm going to go be intense. Right. Like, that's not what it feels like. It's like, okay, well, you're going to do this the best that you can because we'll otherwise don't do it. Well, I, I don't know. Yo, I've been having that conversation <laughs> with people recently, too. Where did that come from? Where do you think, where do, what sense do you have of where that came from? Um, Who fostered that? So I have, um, like, two pretty distinct cultures in my early life, which is um, my parents. And I would say that I have three parents. I have my dad and my stepmom and my mom. Um, And then I joined the Marine Corps at 18. Mm -hmm. So um, like my dad uh, is a veteran. My grandfather's a veteran. Um, I, I, I don't really, without giving you like the whole spiel, I learned how to swim because my dad threw me in a pool. Like, <laughs> like oh, you got the real sink or swim. Yeah, yeah, and like, and he was in there. Like, he threw me in, then and then he jumped in after me. Um, well, yeah, yeah but, I didn't see. he just walked back in the house and was like, <laughs> no, if she makes like, it back, she's one of us. <laughs> no, he didn't like go post up, but he was he was there, you know. Um, oh man! And uh, you got a Spartan raising. <laughs> and I was raised with my dad and my twin brother, so not a ton of female influence. Mm. And then my mom is uh, like the first example of of Wonder Woman that I ever had. Like Mm. she's just, she's always been a strong woman Mm -hmm. and like was a bodybuilder. And I never knew that it was unusual for women to be strong and intense because that's how my mom was. Like I didn't realize until I got older and met other people and were like, wow, lady, you're like kind of of a lot. Like, what do you mean? You're kind of a pussy. Like... I don't understand. <laughs> Not a lot. <laughs> and then I joined the Marine Corps, and that that didn't really tone it down very it much. Really? No, no. Yeah, that is yeah, interesting, right? Yeah. Just one of those toilet thoughts. Oh yeah, I guess that, yeah, I guess that wouldn't. Yeah, that's interesting. So yeah, I mean, there's lots of stuff that I don't do because I'm not interested in doing it. Well, I'll just be like, oh no, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> but the things that I do, I'm like, let's go. Or would you, would you, have you practiced yoga at all? Yes. You have? Yes. Okay. So you can get into a very calm, serene bag. Like you, there is, right? It doesn't, everything doesn't have to be that. I talked to Tia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tia, I'm talking about you. Hey, Tia. The, yeah, right. Hey, Tia, <laughs> Mikhail, Ms. Robin, Mike, all you guys. Yeah. So the thing is. And Coach Mike, hello to you yeah, too, yeah, Coach, Coach Mike. Let's Mike, not forget Coach you. Coach Mike. <laughs> Before he comes over here, Coach Mike, I want no issues. Said hello to the whole Johnson family and say hello to me. I want no issues. <laughs> I talked to Tia about, I think we were at Mikhail's housewarming party. Okay. And speaking of, by the way, before I get into this, if you are going to have your friends help you move from a house to a house, have the shit packed up. <laughs> when I arrive, okay, let me put it this way. If I'm your friend... I don't know what other people are, 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 are down for. If I'm your friend and you're going to ask me to come help you move some shit, have it packed up 
and at the front door mm-hmm. when I arrive. I don't want to come help you pack stuff up. I don't want to take drawers out and fold clothes and put them in, pa- in boxes. That's a different request. That's a whole different request. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just saying. Just hypothetically. Because- hypothetically. For any for anyone that would like, you, you know what I mean? I'm just saying. I actually uh, gave, I give disclaimers like that every now and again. For like people that are doing weddings yeah. or getting married. I'm like, hey, do if you know that I do not support this wedding not because of like matrimonial type of thing like it's not that it's not the idea mm-hmm. if i don't support this and this hasn't happened by the way i was about to say dang does this come up <laughs> yeah. but, but, it, but, it, but, but if it does and you know i don't support you there's a there's a chance there's a chance that you should just not invite me any last words earl <laughs> <laughs> Right. So any last words? So the whole thing is we, we make this podcast and Keon, we're coming up with names. And when he comes up with any last words for him, I think it just kind of sounded clever. You know, I don't really know what it is. But then when I thought about it more and more and more, you think about those words before you're executed. Right. Like, what are your last words? Like, what are your last words that you have for us? And I think that it is, especially in this day and age, it is extremely important to be able to have whatever surface, mid, deep conversations and keep it honest the whole way through. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be saying some things and there's some chances that people are going to, you know, figuratively kill you for saying the types of things yeah. that it is that you want to say. Figuratively. Right? And and at a wedding, at, when that part comes and they're like, yo, is there anyone here that, <laughs> yeah. that does not support or whatever it is they say, hey! <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> this is a bad idea. Sir, yeah. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> yeah, I'm just yeah, I'm just saying like there's no point like don't ask the question and don't invite people that you know don't want cuz I've seen people go to weddings, don't want to be there, think it's the worst thing ever, it's the worst like union ever, mm-hmm. but they just kind of go and they're just looking up there clapping like this is going to be the like the next 20 years of your life is going to be terrible. <laughs> like just clapping it up. Yeah, however Stop long it, it lasts. Yeah, oh, this me. is terrible. Yeah. Oh, wow. This is absolutely terrible. I'm sorry, you were saying you were talking to Tia I was. about yoga. And she oh, won't. Yeah, I was. Thank you. And she 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 she's just like isn't like you just laying around stretching. Like I'm trying to get to work. I'm trying to do something and I'm just like, "Okay. At some point that intensity has to be scaled back. <laughs> we we have to realize that there there are times to to push the lever, the throttle forward, and go all out. And you can still do that in yeah. yoga, but it just it's it's just it's just a tapered version. Mm. Like it's just not going to be super high intensity. Matter of fact, if you want high intensity, maybe hot yoga. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe that's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Stress your lungs and all that sort of stuff. Breathe. You know sweat out the toxins, whatever it is that you're looking for. Uh-huh. But yeah, she was not, she, she looked me straight in my eyes and was just like, it ain't, it ain't enough for me. Well, I mean, that's kind of a tangent, like a, an actual yoga tangent, but I, I would agree. If you think that yoga is just stretching, then I could see how it would be boring for you. Like if you think stretching is boring, but uh, that's not, what yoga is that's not what the actual practice of yoga is there are a lot of people who use yoga to stretch which is not a bad thing right. um but that's not what yoga is and you can be just as focused just as intentional just as have just as meaningful movement while you're doing yoga as you can while you're weightlifting or running or mm. whatever um but if you think yoga is just stretching then you're probably going to be bored yeah that makes sense and that is why at the beginning it's set your intention 
set set your intention. What are, like what is it you're trying to focus on? What is it? Why are you here? What mm-hmm. are you trying to do? Mm-hmm. And if it is just stretch, then you, I mean, you go ahead and get a great stretching. Mm-hmm. I was having a conversation with a friend this morning. The gift of of knowledge, the gift of knowing about your body. I woke up this morning, my back was tight as fuck. It was just it was just my lower back was tight. Um, I think my my legs were a little tight, and immediately I know exactly what to do to remedy that, huh. right? But it's only because of my knowledge and my practice through yoga. Mm-hmm. So that got done. But if you just wake up and you don't know these things, you just kind of get acclimated to pain and tightness, and that's just life. You don't know anything else. You don't know, oh, I just got to get down and do this stretch right now. Like, that's going to take care of this in the next two minutes. I'll be good to go. Mm -hmm. So I love yoga for that reason. You wake up. We all have this sort of pain or these tensions that we're working with. And uh, and you wouldn't know unless you're really in tune with your body, right? But and also know how to remedy that situation unless you have been taught stretching or whatever it is that you got to do. But I, I love it. So the whole premise of this so far has been, I'm excited to have you guys here because we have seen each other once. One time. Yeah, one time. One time. Once. Mm-hmm. And that's fantastic. So you came because you want to have all these sorts of, you know, all sorts of conversations sorts. Yeah. with conversationalists, thinkers. Mm-hmm. You're also here on my end because Mikey was like, yo, this has to happen. <laughs> he was like, you don't, you don't understand. You and this guy are meant to have a conversation. Thanks, Mikey. That's my dog. Right. You know what I mean? So, so, now, so now we're here. We're going to see. So he has high expectations. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So we'll see what we can no do. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. Now, now we'll see what we can like do. Hope you like it, Mikey. Hope you like it, Mikey. And if we don't, fuck you. Yeah. Mikey? It's an amazing... I'm telling you, the whole thing's amazing. I haven't even heard it yet, but the whole thing's amazing. Now, how did he... So did he have to do much convincing? Because, I, you know, I hit him. It was like, yo, he's got to come. Like, you got you got you got to come. I, I need you here. We got to have this conversation. And I told you to to bring her along. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to force the issue, but I, but you know I didn't know I was going to get a two for one. Then yeah. you hit me back. Was like, hey, we're gonna can she come and be on the pod? I'm like, yes, yeah. yes, of course she can. Mm-hmm. So did it take much convincing? Like, how did that conversation go behind scenes? No, like, hey, remember that anything. one guy that Mikey brought that one day? No, okay, so uh, this just goes back to my whatever intensity, if you want to call it that, as a trainer. Like, since you, you've been there one time, and every other time I see Mikey, I'm like, hey, man, where's Earl? Okay, okay. <laughs> so, like, so like I, I didn't just, like, you didn't just, like, drift completely out right. of my consciousness. I'm like, hey, so this guy came in. He was pretty good at working out. He had lots of qu- cool questions, and him and Vince had a good conversation. So where's he at? Yeah. Okay, so, so where you, at? you said intensity. Earl. Oh, listen, hold on a second. Oh, we can do this. Hold on a second. Right, but, but before we do that, because you said whatever you would like to call it. If not intensity, do you have a word for it? So maybe if we make a reference back, I can I can give you the right title. No, I didn't mean to put it in quotation marks like I, like I didn't like it or whatever. I just that's just not how I think about it. Like right. you you show up and you you do you it. You do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not an intensity thing. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, a, that, that's a that's a rough. Do you do you think that that's? It could be both. Do you think it's a you have that thing inside of you that pushes you that tells you, and I mean this you in a general sense that tells people move, get it done, achieve success, and then you just have people where it's you just got to do a little bit more work to get the ball rolling and build some momentum. 
because I'm the same way. I'm not doing some. I'm not doing anything if I'm not doing it the full way. Like that, it doesn't make any. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really compute to me. I don't mm-hmm. understand just doing something and just yeah. half ass half measure. Like what? I think. What? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, go home, take a nap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One thousand percent, though. Yeah. Honestly. Um. So I don't mean with that, and to answer your question, I don't mean with that intensity that you have to that I push people to trash themselves while they're in the gym every time. I push people to get out of their workout what they're supposed to which sometimes is uh you know let's push as hard as we can let's do it till you know we're on the ground and it's hard for you to breathe after sometimes it's to have a steady pace yeah (laughs) get get, stay consistent or get faster yes yes. (laughs) um but uh whatever the the purpose of it is in the gym that's what i'm trying to push people to do and that's because i know what is on the other side of that the physical benefits of being in the gym are only one aspect of uh of being in the gym and honestly i'm passionate about being a coach I like coaching because of the physical aspect of it. And I'm passionate about coaching because of everything else that you get out of it. Mm -hmm. Like I push people to do what they think they can't do. So they, so I, Mm -hmm. so they prove it to themselves. There's like this tangible, like I can't jump on that box. It's 12 inches off the ground and I cannot jump on it. And I push people to work on doing that because when they do it, and they do, they have this actual physical proof to themselves of like, hey, that's the thing I couldn't do and now I can do it. So like, that's that's why I'm pushing. That's got to feel wild. Yeah. Like for you yeah. to, to break someone's mental shackles. Like that must be, and you get to see it happen all the time. Yes. Like, yeah, I know you can't do it. I know. Let's let's try it. Yeah, I heard you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> get, get, get on the box. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. it's it's just a mental block. That's all. That's a well, lot of what. It's a physical block sometimes too. But yes, like they yes. they uh, play off of each other. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's I mean that's why I'm actually passionate about coaching, and that's why people are like, "Wow, Blaze is really in my face," or like, "Wow, she's kind of an intense person." I'm like, "Yeah, that's because I know what you're going to get out of this. You don't. You might not know what you're going to get out of it yet, but mm-hmm. I do, and I'm so excited for that to happen for you." Yeah, that's a crazy introduction. If you like. I can't tell people somebody to a part of themselves that they know they don't know yet that they need to meet this piece of themselves. Mm-hmm. Like that's a big deal. And that, if you care about people, you kind of have to do that for them. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, what am I going to let you walk around with this with those mental shackles when I can see them and you can't and I know mm-hmm. a way that you could break them? Mm-hmm. Am I going to let you walk around like that? Like as a person who cares about you? No. No, no. Yeah. But that also goes back to what we were talking about with the pool analogy that you were talking or metaphor about the conversation. Pool of thought. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um I can't, when people come into the gym for the first time, I can't be like, let's break those mental shackles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. They're like, like uh, yo, uh, what the fuck? Yeah, they're like, hey, uh, I'm trying to get huge or, or you know, depending on who comes in, they're like, hey, you know, I'm trying to lose weight. I want a six pack, you know, whatever. And I'm yeah. like, cool, six pack. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, yeah. For sure. But and, and we can, we can. I can help you with that. But that's not what, I've been coaching for almost 10 years. Like, that's not what keeps oh, me. Oh, yeah, you're a super vet. You're a super, super vet. No, I'm I'm serious. It's like, I guess it's, Ten years, that's, it's a long time. You have your 10,000 hours and more. Like, you, yeah, yeah you do this. Mm-hmm. And how many days a week? Uh, right now, it's only four. Um, only. Well, I mean, I used to co- I used to coach a lot more. Mm. I used to coach a lot more. Um, but I've started going to going to school um, and, you know, dialing back my hours. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely have my 10,000 hours. Vince, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little... Uh, 
I'm a little curious because you just spoke about getting to know a side of yourself that you didn't know that you needed to or that yeah. it was even there. Yeah. And I think that that is huge. That's a part of the hero's journey, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to go into the depths and find that thing that you don't want to look at. It's something that people go through a lot of times on psychedelic drugs, whether it's LSD, shrooms, ayahuasca, is, you know, people will tell you, proponents of these things will tell you, if if you see that darkness creeping, you see, mm-hmm. you know, something lurking, look at it. Like, don't, don't veer away from it. That's the thing you're supposed, that's what you're here for. Yeah. I know it's terrifying, but you're supposed to be there. What was that last thing for you that you felt like was... Like a terrifying part, a part of yourself you didn't want to really acknowledge or look at, but you're like, man, fuck, it's here. I got to do it. Uh, the big one, um, like I have a, I think I have like a writer's mind. If you think about splitting your life up, writers have these seven epochs. These are just like pivotal points in your life and you could divide your life into these different like shifts. The last shift was five years ago. Like I had a stroke and I, you know, you go through the process of feeling like you're checking out. So you have all the thoughts that you didn't know you were going to have. Do you have proper recollection of the, the whole process through the stroke? Yeah. Oh, that's, wow. That's the wild part because I was like, I don't know. With everything that's happening, you expect to kind of black out at some point. I stayed conscious the whole time. Ooh. Yeah. So that. Okay. Will you talk about what it was like? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It was um, so from, just from the beginning. This is 4th of July. Great regular day. Everything about it is normal. You know, until like the evening, I go to my parents' house. I'm sitting at the counter and I'm like, my legs feel weird. And it's like they felt like they were staticky. And then I went to stand up and then there was no more static. There was nothing. I couldn't feel my legs. They just felt like they just disappeared. And I'm like splayed out on the kitchen floor. And I think I called my brother. He's in the other room. And that was actually, I think you skipped a step there. Um, Just from you talking about you remembering it, you, you thought you were Roland. Like you thought you were his brother, Roland, Roland looking at you. Like you had the perspective of seeing yourself from Roland. Yeah. That's the other. Oh yeah. We need that. (laughs) (laughs) We definitely need that. So my brother looks enough like me that I've trying to, I've, I don't know how to explain the situation. So I'm, I'm on the floor. I call him into the room and I think what I'm seeing is, I'm laying on the opposite side of the counter. I think I see myself lean over the counter and look at me on the floor. Oh. And then like go back over the counter. I was like, what? Whoa. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And then years later, I explained it to myself. Like I have the memory of seeing myself lean over the counter. Whoa. But later, like I've just kind of, I don't know what to do with that thought. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, it was probably Roland. He looks like you. That's what it was. But like. That's not what it was. But you know, Roland wouldn't have done that, and no. that's not what. That's not and how that's, Roland that's not, wasn't like. Oh, that's weird. He would look at me like <laughs> like I saw me look at me. So like the way I described it is like I'm in the room with my body versus in the room in my body. Right, for sure, for sure. So it's like there are a lot of confrontations on the other side of that. Mm. Like, okay, introspection is very different now. Yeah, when you're having an out of body experience. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So you know, you run through all the thoughts that you that you that you do when you think the show's closing. Yeah. And I should have did this. This would have been better. Maybe this way if I made this decision. Like, is that sort of what you mean when you say the things that you go through? The crazy part was. I don't know was, if I've ever felt. Nah, there have been some drunk nights. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely like, some nights yeah. where you just feel like, yo, there's no way I'm making it past the night. Like, there's yeah, no way. Like, this. Rap. 
Yeah, so I guess that, yeah, if this could end right now, I'll do everything right afterwards. Yeah. Like I'll be the best per I'll be a saint after this if I survive it. Maybe some of those thoughts. I don't think I even got to the the stage of negotiation. Like once I knew that it was in my mind, I knew that it was over. My brother's talking mm. to me. He's like, Hey, can you move this leg? And I moved the opposite leg. He's like, No, this leg. And then I I couldn't move that leg at all. I stopped being able to speak. Oh, my yeah. heart started beating really, really fast, but it was like fluttery. Like it wasn't beating mm. hard. It was beating soft. Oh, yeah. And I didn't even negotiate. And the weird part was like the peacefulness of it. And like how it felt familiar. And I'm like, how is this familiar? I don't think I've ever done this before. But like it was like serene. And as I got to like the close of that, I think I just said, get Blaze. She was in the house at the same time, fortunately. And um, yeah, but then you don't die. You know, and then you spend all this time in rehab thinking about stuff and realizing the stuff that just doesn't really matter and finding out how many clinicians never brought up certain things. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that matters and how much it didn't apply at all to my recovery. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, so that don't matter. This doesn't matter. This person didn't show up. X, Y, and Z happened. And this is where your focus could have been. Mm-hmm. It just reshuffles stuff. It's like you prioritize this and it didn't come up at all in the end. So it's like, oh, wow. Refocus. You got to refocus. You got to know yourself better. You got to look at some things differently than you're looking at them. Yeah. So that was that was a trip. And that is lately, that five years ago moment is probably one of the biggest and most recent uh, reintroductions to myself. Yeah, I would think so. So, yeah. But it's also put me in contact with a lot of other people. You know, it's 800,000 people, nearly 800,000 every year that have their first stroke in America. So I'm like, okay, how do I get in touch with them? Some of these other folks. And so I've done that since then. And that made a big difference because there's always this feeling of in the beginning when you're isolated, there's always a feeling of like, oh, it's just happening to me. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's not. It's not at all. Never. And when you get to talk to other people, you hear all these common threads and it just makes you think about things because that's all you got to do when you're in rehab. Like I was so exhausted the first couple of days, like I could go do my exercise and I come back to the room, pass out. But eventually, like I started getting stronger, I would come back to the room. I would just sit and be awake and quiet. So like maybe one day I could watch TV. And after that, I'm like, I can't watch TV. Like I need to sit, be still, be quiet and just think. Mm. And um, I think my dad picked up on that because he would come to rehab some days and he would just sit with me. We didn't have to talk about nothing. And like that stillness is was huge because you do turn and you see some of the darkness. Mm hmm. Um, I talked about that also in the pool of thought is spending a little too much time yeah. just in your thoughts. Yeah. Just thinking. Yeah. So having the charge nurses there, they're professionals on staff. And that's one of the biggest helps because they're there around the clock. Mm-hmm. Having somebody come in and sort of do what Blaze does for people, not making any excuses for you. Like, yes, you went through a thing, but listen, we have to make our, be- our next step the best step. What's your goal leaving here? I had a charge nurse ask me that the first day. I'm mm. like, oh, I wasn't even thinking about goals. I was still, I'm stuck. I'm still stuck in my mind a little bit. And so I told her what my goals was. Like, I need, I want to walk out of rehab. So we put it on the board and I just, that became my focus. That was how I was dealing with all of my exercise and all of my rehab uh, activity. Relearning how to talk and to dress myself and to walk and all that. Um, You just see where How long do you think that process was? I think I was, all in all, I was 11 days. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. Between that was 11. the emergency room and the ICU. Yeah, the two the emer- mm-hmm. two emergency rooms in the ICU mm-hmm. and then the rehab. And then it was outpatient rehab all from there. But, I mean, I did get to walk out of rehab. Like, 
I mean, they wheeled me to the car and then I walked from the wheelchair to the car. Right. Um, but yeah, you just focus on, you find out where your focus ought to be. You find out how much of a commodity your attention and focus is. Mm-hmm. And, and from just what you've talked about, how much of your identity is wrapped up in the things that you can do. Yeah. You realize mm-hmm. that, you know, you look back over the things that get taken away from you and it's like squatting. You can't do that at all. Cause you can't walk going to work. Nope. Productivity doesn't matter. Like your sense of contribution needs to be tied to something else. Like, geez, it has to be because the stuff that I was doing, I thought was who I was. I'm like, who I am is what I'm doing. It's like, nah, nope. Mm-hmm. Who you are is not just what you're doing. It's bigger than that. And there was this weird moment um, where, like, it's just a moment of surrender, where my ego, I don't know, I guess that's the way I would describe it, is my ego tried to sacrifice itself so that I could stay around. Mm-hmm. And like, I just prayed different about certain things. And then the next day after like that surrender, I saw my toes move for the first time. I was like, all right, let's on. Let's go. Oh let's yeah. Go. yeah. Let's now go. we back. Yeah. yeah. Cause like, still right. at this point into rehab, he still couldn't move the left side of his body for yeah. sure. Not your left leg at all. Right. My hand I think you're, yeah, you're starting early. to move your left arm a little bit, but I mean yeah. like when he left the ICU, it was like the whole left side of his body. Um, and, and no doctor could tell us anything, mm-hmm. um, which is like, you know, I don't, I don't blame them, but like brain injuries are so uh, intricate. Yeah. Very, yeah. Very and nuanced. they're like, I kept waiting for a doctor to come in and be like, well, yeah, now we know different doctor, uh, different doctor, different yeah, doctor. Vince is never going to walk again. Like I kept right. waiting for a doctor mm-hmm. to walk in and say that. Yeah. Um, and they didn't, they were like, well, I don't know. Yeah. That's what you <laughs> see. It's like, kind of crazy. You see yeah. the, the practice part of the practice of medicine, mm-hmm. which I don't know. It's humbling in the same way. Like you get there and you see all these folks in white coats. I'm like, you guys got some answers, right? Y'all mm-hmm. are pros. Yeah, Tell yeah, me for something. sure. A lot of years yeah, of medical there school. There are a lot of diplomas in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Somebody got the answer. <laughs> yeah. like, well, I don't know anything either. We can't be on equal footing right now. <laughs> <laughs> I need your help. Somebody <laughs> needs to know <laughs> something. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't listen. <laughs> Unacceptable. That's what I was thinking when you said they're walking in there and just struggling to show. Like, eh, I, <laughs> I can do that. It was very, it was much more professional than that, but it was right, like, right, but right. it was like they were holding a clipboard when they did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They they put up the their stethoscope or whatever, and they were like, well, yeah. they and they really did keep trying to figure out something because Vince was 28 at the time, mm-hmm. and if you're you know if you're listening and you can't see like he's like. A physical specimen, you know, like yes. he, he he's, he's healthy. He's the type of guy where when when the buses break down, you just you just carry the buses with a rope so the kids <laughs> yeah. can get to school. Like you, just, yeah, <laughs> just, for sure, yeah, just tie the rope to the bumper. I got this. I'm gonna just we're, we're just put it in neutral. I got this. It's fine. Got, just steer. I'll be good. Yeah. Um. So they were like, hey, so you know, do you eat well? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, do you smoke? He's like, no. You drink? He's like, occasionally. And they're like, and they then they would try to get his family to leave. They would try to get us to leave because they think he's lying right. about what he does because yeah, he's yeah, in front yeah. of us. And they're like, so you do do the steroids? Yeah. You do the steroids? Y'all have a toxicology report. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Right. You got my blood work. Like, yeah. What are you doing? He's like, nope. Yeah, they had every test going. I'm like, if I was doing anything, it would have come up. Yeah. And that was almost more frustrating because I'm like, tell me something's wrong right. so I can fix it. Tell me something I'm not doing right so I can, you know, reconfigure the thing but they're like but they don't even have a starting spot so yeah they don't want you to just start doing the wrong thing for yeah. recovery yeah, yeah it turns so. out that's actually yep so that's mm. yeah that experience uh made a big difference because you deal with grief for yourself and you don't think so but you start you know looking back over and you go into all the stages of it i mean damn i guess i do miss being my 
old self because that feels like who I am. There's stuff I need to be able to do. Old self, yeah. And, but I don't know, life is still just as important on the other side of it. And there are other people that you can serve because of your experience. So that's that's something I want to talk about because you said that that made a huge difference. You being able to start talking to so many people. So how did, how exactly, like, what is that exactly? It was mostly online because, I mean, the in-person stroke support group that I had, I think only met a couple times when I was in rehab. And that was hard to watch because there were so many people worse off than me. Mm. And I was like, all right, so there are other folks out here who need the perspective that I'm starting to develop. Uh, but from there, I had to go online to get in touch with people because it's just tough to find a support group, mm. let alone a support group where there are younger people who understand getting back to like a more active lifestyle because they're like, well, you know, I can be slightly less sedentary than I were than I was. And I was like, that's not what I want. Like, I don't want to get my life back so I can sit on the couch. You know, I, I do want some a richer sense of vitality. Like I have an idea of how my life's supposed to feel and I can't do that yet. I can't make that a reality. Mm. So finding that space was largely done online, getting in touch with people who had been through something uh, similar. How many people do you think you've spoken to? Oh, <laughs> yeah, man, a ton. Like Vince also runs a workshop now. I mean, he's, he's part of an organization, an organization, heal the brain that runs workshops for um, survivors. Mm-hmm. And they have, they basically have these workshops almost daily now. And Vince's workshop is on mindfulness. Mm-hmm. So he is speaking to a lot of survivors, like at least once a month um, and checking in with different, with different groups like that. Yeah. So he speaks to a lot of people. Okay. So th- maybe this is a little bit. Of, so you also listen to some Sam Harris. I do. I had but, it recently, right. but yeah. You said mindfulness, and just immediately in my mind, I'm yeah. thinking, you know, the conversation we were having before. What is your what is your engagement with mindfulness? It um, The definition I run off of is that it's like this ability or this practice that allows you to be aware and attentive of the of your emotional state and of the present moment, but without emotional volatility and reactivity. Mm. Okay. So I'm like, all right, I can feel sadness, but I can kind of get observant to it. I can feel anger, and I can tend to the emotion. So, um, so it kind of like, I found positivity and then I found mindfulness and I wanted to pair the two because a lot of times people would talk about positivity and they would describe it and it just sounded like cheerfulness. And I'm like, no, I need something realer than that. It's got to go deeper than that. I need something that I can anchor myself to. So for me, mindfulness is like journaling when you need to, I call that like you pre-digest the thought. Cause okay. like if I like write it down on paper, instead of looking at the world through the lens of that thought, I can now look at the thought on mm-hmm. paper. And the next time I like ingest it, the next time I read it, my body knows what this is. My consciousness knows what it is and it's ready. So when I'm like, you know, I'm not feeling like I'm worthy today or something, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. I'm right. angry today. Mm-hmm. I feel very isolated or I feel amazing today, but, or I would be better when, and I read the thought again, it's like my, my consciousness is already ready for it. So some sort of a mindfulness practice, just let me be aware and attentive of the present moment and to not fly off the hinges, to tend to my anger and my sadness, even my joy, like net, not let it swing up so high that I fall real mm-hmm. far and I don't stay rooted. It's so. <laughs> so interesting you bring Because <laughs> I did want to talk about this today. I love I love just the organic segues. Oh, I love it so much. Okay, I, I did want to give a, a word of the day for the people. I usually give a word. Eh, maybe I do. Maybe I don't. I don't know. I usually give a word that isn't this basic. Mm-hmm. But I decided I was going to do this, one, because a lot of times people don't even fucking know what they're talking about, how basic the word is. We use so many words and you just hear them so you know in context where they ought to be placed a lot of times. But you don't really know what they mean and the different ways that they can be used. And that's if you're listening to people who know what the context is in the first place. Mm Because sometimes people just use words 
completely incorrectly (laughs) in all the wrong contexts and people just repeat it (laughs) that's very very true and then you're a snob if you correct them (laughs) the word is excite okay okay so you're just talking about your joy Mm -hmm. all right verb to arouse or stir up the emotions or feelings of to excite a person to anger actions that excited his father's wrath to arouse or stir up, to cause, to awaken, provoke, stimulate. Okay. We get it. This is why I'm bringing this up. Because I think what I'm about to say is in the same vein as you not wanting to get so doped up on your own joy mm-hmm. that when circumstances that have facilitated that joy are not that thing, it all falls to shit. Yeah. Right? That's no way to be. You now know that. A lot of people don't. A lot of people still are just striving for the cheerfulness, the joy, the happiness, the elation, because they feel like that is like everyone wants to be happy, right? Sure. Or should we be looking for something that isn't quite as expedient and m- more meaningful force, mm-hmm. right? So, I was asked a couple of questions the other day. I was asked, by the way, hey man, I'm super happy about this weather. I was just in Boston right? for Tuesday and Wednesday. Ooh, I, I just good. got back. Boston's awesome. Okay. Boston's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Love it. I went to go see my little sister because she goes to a university up there. Man, she goes to a nice school. I was just walking around like, damn, <laughs> I did not do this. This is just very, very it's beautiful yeah. campus. There's a lot going on up there. Um, and then it's also just awesome seeing like my little sister. She's like older now. She's running around taking the train places. Like, by, I was like, yo, what is going on? Like, my little sister's taking the train places and, and just, oh, God. Like, she just lives this life up here away from everyone. Yeah. Like, it's just a beautiful thing because I was there. I think we're like 11 years apart. So I was, I was, wow. I got to see her like grow the whole way. Mm-hmm. It was just really crazy. Um, okay. I was asked the other day if I was excited to see my sister. And if I was excited to do this podcast, this question sparked an answer that then sparked an intense discussion. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because my answer to both of those things was no. And the person at my friend asked me, she was like, well, first of all, do you? You like your sister, right? Like you, like you, like you <laughs> okay, you, jerk. Like you want, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, oh, like you God. want, you want to see her, right? right? And you love podcasting, like you want to go do the podcast, right? You like, what do you mean? And I was like, okay, well, here we go. Like, th- th- this is a conversation to be had. So glad you asked. And at the very end of this, this person just like, you are just a very peculiar person. Like, you're just very particular. I forget that with everything that it, in regards to you. It's intention. Mm -hmm. You have some sort of idea of why you do things and why you do not do things. So this was my spiel on excitement. (laughs) It seems like we are we're all broken people. We all have broken characteristics. And when it comes to wanting to be with someone, whether friends or more, you're going to be choosing the characteristics that they have in the moment and not the characteristics that they don't have. Let me, let me make this concise. I am a person that has taken up mindfulness, heavy, Mm -hmm. heavy, heavy. 
and I do a lot of these journals. I even call them like uh, environmental inventories. I'll do where you're right. I'm separating myself. Is I'm just I'm just taking inventory of everything that is going on around me. The colors, what I feel on my skin. Oh, Mm -hmm. huge observer, Mm -hmm. right? All that sort of stuff. I'm rooted. I've through much much conditioning. I'm rooted in the moment. Mm-hmm. Right. That's where I just that's where things are best. That's where things are most meaningful, most substantial, most, like you said, vivacious. It's the only All- place you can be. Well, most people have cascading thought just bombarding their consciousness at all points in time. And we all have thought constantly moving, but most people are just doomed by it. Mm. Right. And there's so many other places in their mind that they're not present. Mm -hmm. And you can tell when you speak to certain people, you can tell when someone's really looking at you, Mm -hmm. when someone's really listening, you can tell by the responses that they have. If it's valid, you can tell if they stopped listening to you three minutes ago because they just wanted to get off what they wanted to say about something you said three minutes ago. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So they just cut off everything you said after that. Like you can you can sort of start to tell these differences when you're having conversations with people. I don't find myself getting excited for things in the future mm-hmm. so much. So when it comes to some people being around me. I can be for I mean, for many reasons, I can be annoying, right, or frustrating to be around. But one of the many reasons is because I can't share or I don't share excitement with people the way that they would necessarily like me to. Mm-hmm. I don't think you guys can be friends. I don't want this to increase. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> right? Right? See, I can't tell see. you how not excited this man okay. is. Oh my gosh. Okay. I, I thought this might happen. And <laughs> has that perturbed you every once in a while like what like what do you mean you're not ex- like why are you not excited about this? Have you guys gotten to why that's not the case? Because he's not excitable. Not excitably. Generally. I mean, I mean, Endgame was amazing. Okay. We were Mm. (laughs) 10 years of emotional investment. But (laughs) um, I, yeah, I think when we first got together, I didn't understand. I'm like, you excited? And he's like, "Mm mm-hmm. Like I think <laughs> he was trying to, yeah, yeah he was yeah, trying yeah. to be like, oh yeah, yeah of course, human pretending. Yes, yes, of course, yes, I'm yes. excited. <laughs> Surely I'm excited. Yes. <laughs> yes, that is a thing a human being would say. Yes, absolutely. Um, but I, I think has I she just... ever called you cold or calculated? <laughs> Maybe calculated. Calculated. Okay, yeah. didn't throw the cold on. I'm them. Not a cold person. No. Okay. Uh, I think warm, I just warm and calculated. Oh, we're putting together some new stuff. People never put those two together. Yeah. I think. I just figured out better questions to ask. Um, that's awesome. I, yeah, yeah that's he's not, awesome. He's not an excitable person, so it's like, so I'll be like, "Hey, have you thought about this a lot? Or um, what do you want to get out of this experience? Or yeah. you know, stuff like that." Not like you excited because he's not. Yeah, and so <laughs> and so that has been my issue. So when I was explaining it to this friend, I'm like, "Yo, you could, I mean." If it was me or someone else you had to choose between, right, and say that my thing is I'm here, you know, when you're talking to me, we're having real, organic, Mm -hmm. deeply grooved conversation. Now, on the other end of that, when you start talking about trips that are going to be had or things going to be done, I'm not going to be talking about it 
two months in advance with you about how cool something's going to be. Mm -hmm. Now, I think that this spilled out from my communications studying years and years ago because I learned through communications, interpersonal communications, I think mostly to stop writing scripts on no, no shade to the notes that you brought in mm -hmm. to stop writing actual scripts in your mind about what the future conversation that you have to have with someone is going to be. Yeah. Because you all, we all know that we should know by now this shit's never right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Like you don't know what the future conversation is going to hold for you. Mm -hmm. You can't write that script as soon as you do. It can, it can be as easy as for, for guys that, that listen uh, or women for that matter, for anyone that's about to go try to maybe, Procure the interest of someone that they're attracted to. You could throw a whole narrative in your mind about like, okay, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to say this thing. Mm -hmm. They're going to love it. Once I hit them with that, then I'm going to make them laugh. They're gonna, then I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to ask for the number. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get the number. But you go up there. You say your line. They say what they got to say. It was not in your script. Nope. Now, you, now you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> now you got to scramble. Like, okay, hold on a second. Now I got to be on the fly and figure this out because she you know, ruined this whole thing. She yeah. did not say what I, what I told her in my mind that she ought to say back. Right? So now it, it's, it's all ruined. And that goes with interviews. It goes with having to tell your parents why you got an F on the report card. It goes to having to, tr again, try to procure the interest. Whatever it is, you probably shouldn't really be trying to plan out the entirety of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And then that spilled out into everything else. I don't know what that thing is going to be. Right. So I'm not going to give it the power of, oh, it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. But I'm also not going to give it the power of, I'm dreading this thing. This is going to suck. My energy most of the time is, may, <laughs> from what I'm getting here, it may be close to yours, which is, I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up. And then what it have that's what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. But at least I'll be there and have the peace of mind and the presence of mind to make it probably at least the, the most meaningful version of it for myself. Mm -hmm. Right. And then therefore for the other people involved. Right. So that's kind of my thing It's like, I could have the excitement, but with that also becomes or brings apprehension because those are just two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. You're still, you're looking in the future, giving the future some sort of, you know, your narrative, your ex, your, um, uh, expectations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I just don't do that mm -hmm. too much. And I realize I'm around most people that do. So then th these little alien ways I have to tell people sometimes like, yo, it's not because I don't like my sister. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not because it's not, I'm not, I won't be excited when they come and knock on the door and I'm setting up the lights and getting the microphones ready. The excitement will be there then. Yeah. Right. But I but I will also be there then. Yeah. I'm not there now. That's a yeah. week from now. That's I always try to describe myself. I'm like I'm here degrees north and now degrees west. Like mm -hmm. that expectation is built on the fact that I think I know who I'm going to be when I say the line to the girl and I don't get her number. You don't know who you're going to be. No. That, that you in that moment is who you're going to be, and you're going to say what you're going to say then. You can't script it out. Like I had to learn this for work. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of taken a lot of things from like a professional space because I'm like, okay, we've got a meeting going on. You might not recall something. There is a particular objective. Create outlines. Do these things mm -hmm. because this is a way that allows you to interact with folks who maybe don't think about things the way you do, which is fine because diffuse your expectation of them. So just figure out a way to kind of meet them halfway. Speak their language. When you have expectations going in, the um, 
one of the big things you risk is missing what's actually happening. You know, like with the going to talk to the girl example, you know, like if you have a script of what's going to happen when you go and walk up to her, like just for example, you know, like you might miss, you know, if you're like, if you're so focused, you're like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to say my line, I'm going to tell this joke and <laughs> she's going to laugh. Lines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, You're going to, you might miss make an eye contact with this girl who's trying to look at you like as you walk by like and that's the girl that you're like supposed to be talking to or whatever you mm. know because you're like this is what it is this is the plan this here the we mission. go yeah and you're intensity not- <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you're not yeah, yeah. What up? Um, but you know you're not able to see what's actually in front of you because you have that lens of expectation on yeah. mm-hmm. like you have all these uh, these things weighing on you that aren't actually happening. Yeah, and even and even better than that, even say the 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 girl that you approach is the one you're supposed to be talking mm-hmm. to. But even when you get there in that moment, you're saying things. I used to have friends uh, ask me all the time when they were on Tinder, swiping, swiping. They're like, "What do I say, man? Like, okay, like I, I got this match, man. She's pretty. <laughs> like, I want to make this work. Like, what do I say? Hello. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm looking. At, now again, this is observer thing. So you, like you just said, you have to realize when you see things a certain way, other people just don't have that vision, and you have to find a way to articulate it well, civilly, right? You're like not like, yo, listen, you fucking dumbass. <laughs> what do you mean? But I'm looking. So I'm looking through the profile of whatever hypothetical woman friends talking about, and I'm like, this person has eight photos, and I mean, maybe not a beefy bio, but like six lines. You're telling me. That between this six lines of bio in the eight photos with all of this information, all this data. Eight photos is a lot on Tinder. Yeah. Six. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, well, t- I mean, it's enough. It's still enough to have. You can slice that in half. It's still more than enough data to give you something to work with as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, you every single time you talk to someone you could have an extremely original initiation. You you could say something. You could. You Maybe you don't want to exercise that mental capacity, but you could, in theory, mm-hmm. have a different initiation for every single person that you match on. Yeah. Like... If you're paying attention. If you're paying attention. Right. So there are things that maybe the person is saying to you and you're not even... Again, you're not listening. You're, you're, you're not worried about what they're saying because you already have a golden script in your mind. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, listen, as soon as she's done talking, mm-hmm. I'm about to hit her with this thing. And you're in, in, you know, women have been smarter than us in that, in that, yeah, yeah <laughs> like in that regard. So they know when you're just not, like, they're looking at you like, uh-huh. you are not listening to a word I'm saying. Like, and, and that can go wrong because you, you know, maybe from the, from the person's mind that's being pursued, they could be thinking, they don't care about what I'm saying and not necessarily they're so nervous and so inept at this that this is just what they had to do to get here. I can tell you women are their own brand of stupid, okay? Because <laughs> in both of those in both of those scenarios, like if she decides that you're somebody that she wants to talk to, she could be like Look at him stumbling over his words, trying to. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, all right. So here we go. Oh. No, no, no. But not oh. even like that. But 
but if like if she wants to talk to you, she's gonna be like, he's so funny and dorky. <laughs> that's yeah, 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 yeah. Don't make excuses. Yeah, that's yeah, what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- yeah that's when mm-hmm. the negative, or whatever it is, that's when the title or whatever the adjective is either gets a positive or negative connotation attached mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, he's he's, he's so nerdy, he's so dorky. Like, oh my god, but he's so funny. It's like, yeah, it's funny to you because of the nerdy dorkiness. Mm-hmm. So again, it's like all the, I'm just I'm thinking yeah. like three years into it and she knew you were a gamer already and she you on that damn game again? <laughs> it's like I thought you liked it, I was nerdy. <laughs> it's like what changed? Yeah. You didn't see my Xbox trophies? You yeah, <laughs> Xbox trophies. Yo, do you do you have that? I do not. Oh, okay. I was about to say, is this like real? I was like, what did you win? This is awesome. his own special kind of nerd. Yeah. <laughs> what exactly? Like, what do you nerd out about? Like, what is your nerd thing? Do I nerd out about? Um, Wait a minute, because if because if this isn't like a clear answer, then what is what are you referring to when you say he's his own kind of nerd? Uh, well, because he, well, I mean, I guess maybe nerd is not the word. So first of all, the obvious answer is the no, MCU. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. yeah. So I for <laughs> like, sure do like yeah the MCU because yeah. like we can take out like Marvel encyclopedias like in our home. So encyclopedias plural. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Like we watch the Easter egg videos and they're like, wait, what are they referring to? And we like mm. look it up or whatever. Um. So like Vince is definitely there, but then I'll. Also, maybe it's not nerdy, um, but just like uh, how thoughtful he is. So maybe I nerd, 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 nerd is not the wrong. Oh yeah, I think about consciousness. I think about writers who wrote things, and I believe that I am reading them now, and they're dead, and they wrote them for me. If that makes any like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some stuff that's sort of nebulous and that I don't generally say aloud. Yeah, so what what word um, would you? I don't know what word you would use for that. Not not nerdy in like the pocket protector sense, yeah, just, but like. Uh, very thoughtful. Like. I mean, you can be nerdy about thoughtfulness and mindfulness and yeah. consciousness. Yeah, and, and yeah. I am. Yeah. It's, 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 I'm always interested in hearing We need more of those nerds, actually. I, I think so. We need more of those. We don't have it. I don't run into too many of those nerds. Yeah, like that kind of thing. It To me, it enhances my communication. Like in the scenario, if I'm talking to a girl, like if I'm talking to a girl from the gym and I'm expecting to show up and be like, bench press, right? And I can ignore the fact she has a Metallica t-shirt on. I might not even bring up the fact that I thought St. Anger was great. That's a good album. Like, yeah, if I were paying attention in here, I could make that connection. So, like, I like to think about things like uh, just what people were thinking about in the 1960s, what the air smelled like. So I'll watch a video, uh, read a transcript or something from, like, interview with high school kids and what they think about personal identity. And it's from 1955. And there are so many common threads, and I'm like, gosh, we're still thinking about these things. And I just I nerd out about stuff like that. So whatever, whatever kind of nerd that is, I, I <laughs> yeah, like, I, don't, I don't think there's like a clear cut. I wish I had a more definition of that. But I think that was why probably like the uh, like the early nerd that was probably the original nerd. Mm-hmm. Especially that when I the way I describe you in my mind is philosopher king, mm-hmm. like Marcus Aurelius. You know, like uh, mm-hmm. like like these philosophers have talked about the kind of. Uh, I mean, we don't got to take it right there, but the kind of uh, leadership that the world needs is this balance between um, the capacity of kings and the thoughtfulness of philosophers. Like, mm-hmm. so I, I think of Vince as a philosopher king. Yeah, those things are so useful in everything that you do, like professionally, interpersonally, romantically. Why wouldn't it make sense to be a more thoughtful person and to understand, like, okay, another person has experiences and they are just <laughs> <laughs> fucking nerd. <laughs> the fuck out of here. You trying, trying to get lit. It's the weekend. <laughs> Where the white claws at? Yeah. <laughs> the white claws. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking nerd. All right, all right. 
Because <laughs> we got to wrap it up. Okay, no, no. <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. it's funny to, you were like, how much convincing did it take to come on a podcast? And I was like, so we're just going to sit and talk with a thoughtful person. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, I mean, all right. Like, it's not no. like, yeah, like, it's not, um, I'm like, cool. Like, so yeah. we're going to, we're going to do what we do every night, but there will be, you know, like we'll record it. Yeah. Right. It wasn't a far trip. Either. It was funny. I put it, I'm not giving away any addresses, but we put the yeah. direct, we put it in for directions and gave us the walking. Directions. Oh. And I was like, that Oh, awesome. damn. Yeah. Like, Oh, hey. we, we Neighbors. Okay, yeah. so we got some recurring guests then. <laughs> like this will this will not be yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. We drove through the new traffic light. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Maybe wherever. Oh is. yeah, you guys are really right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I remember back in back in the day, I had a drug dealer over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did, I did. It, it was, it was, a, it was a, yeah, it was a rough. It was a, uh, it was rough. I was around. I was, I've been around too many. Like when I was talking to you about looking into the darkness. Yeah. I have taken a lot of time. To looking through a lot of darkness yeah. and having a drug dealer lives across the street from you, there can be a lot of there can be a lot of darkness that comes with that. Mm-hmm. There can be a lot of light, yeah. right, and a lot of revelation that comes with that. Because depending on a, what kind of drugs, exactly, exactly. That I advocate for any particular kind. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Stay in school, kids. <laughs> <laughs> just say no. Yeah, just, just say no, thanks. Uh, no, no, that thanks. did not work. <laughs> no thanks. There was a clear it, failure. It worked. There was well, a clear failure. Well, what's interesting is, I mean, I guess I was terrified when I had Dare. Because how old are you? How old am I now? Yeah. I am 30. How old? I, I didn't know if you were thinking, like, how old were you when you were going through the Dare practice? <laughs> no, yeah. Sorry, yes, you're 30? Yes, 30 now. Okay, cool. So, yeah, so we're all January about the same 4th, age. 31's coming up. Okay, nice. 31's coming up. That's a good one. How's it feeling getting older? I don't know. It all it doesn't feels even. the same. Yeah, I, okay. I think I forgot my 25th birthday, and after that, I didn't start noticing them anymore. Yeah, because time's not real. We'll come back to that later. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. That's okay. Yeah. We'll we'll get into we'll get into time as a yeah, construct. Is- <laughs> yeah, but ages, you know. Yeah, we'll get we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Uh, but yeah, I was absolutely terrified when I had there, and I know that because I, I think I came home and like my I think my mom was like smoking cigarettes or something like that, and I told my dad I was like. She's gonna die. Like, what are we gonna like? What are we gonna do? And I was just started bawling, crying. I was just like, "Mom's gonna die. She's gonna everyone yeah. at the school says she's gonna die today." Yeah. Like, what do we do? And I think I, I also hid my grandfather's cigarettes from him, and I got in a lot of trouble for that. But uh, yeah, no, nah, I was terrified. But anyway, yes, say say no, but keep an open mind to things. All right. So anyway, ask your parents. But if you're over mm, eighteen, <laughs> ask your parents. But if you're over eighteen, do what you feel. <laughs> Ask your parents. How do you all feel about the sort of household where you can do things as long as they're in the house? Right? Like the types of moms and dads that are like, hey, listen, it'd be much better if you roll that joint up or smoke that beer in this house than you being behind like the gas station or whatever with you and a bunch of your knucklehead friends. Like, fuck it. Listen, you're probably going to get into some shit. Just come home. Mm-hmm. Just come home, or at least feel comfortable enough to call me on the phone and make, like have me come get you mm-hmm. somewhere. Don't ever think that like I'm going to snap your neck because you got into some stuff. Now maybe that comes with being a parent that actually went through some stuff. Right? Yeah. But if you didn't experience that, then you just don't understand it at all. You don't understand why 
your child would be doing these things. I think your parents probably did a better job in striking a balance with this. For them, it was like a lot more of like that situation where, hey, you know, if you get it in a jam, don't go and make an irresponsible decision. Don't. Your parents yeah. in 1975, if you get in a jam. Yeah. Is that what they said? Get in a jam. My parents talk. No, you know, basically, if you get out there, you're having too much fun, you get mangled. And then uh, yeah, don't get behind the wheel of a of machine. Don't put anybody else's life at risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, I cannot openly endorse any consumption of adult substances by those whose minds are not fully formed. Mm. I will say this at the discretion of the parents. If you, if we're, I mean, if we're going to take it there, you probably shouldn't drink till you're 25. Mm. Yeah. Prefrontal cortex not fully developed. Yeah. This is very true. Whatever. Um, <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Turn up. Prefrontal cortex. Yeah, come on. No, no. I mean, if you want to make it because of physical development. No, I, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, I, I would say, so I had... Uh, a parent who was very much like that, who was like, hey, like, you want to get fucked up? Do it. Do it here. Um, and I had a parent who was like, uh, absolutely not. And that. And the one that said go for it was the mom. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Do you know her stripper name? Oh, my mom's name is Star. So oh, okay. Yeah, so it was, she, okay. she didn't need she didn't stage name. Okay. She's like, hey, what's up? I'm Star, also known as Star. Oh, <laughs> AKA Star. <laughs> Coming at you live, known as Star. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was. All right, all right, all right. So going ahead. So you have the dichotomy of parents. Here, yeah, yeah, yeah. So my mom was definitely much more like, hey. If you're gonna do it, do it here. Um, and my dad was—I uh, I never heard him say like, absolutely not. But my brother and I definitely felt like we could not come to him. Like mm. I would go get my brother if he was messed up. Um, and I—I I think it kind of affected us differently. How many, how many years apart are you guys? He's my twin. Oh right, right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. So. I know with my mom, especially as a kid, I felt like, hey, aren't you supposed to be like more of an example or something, Um, which is just like my kid brain, you know, like looking back on it. I'm like, she's just doing what she thought the right thing to do was, you know? Yeah, Um, of course. And with my dad, I was like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe things would have maybe my brother would have felt a little bit differently about coming home if you weren't such an asshole mm-hmm. about everything. Um, but no, my dad's not an asshole about everything. He's just very, very strict. I came intensity. home. Intensity. Yeah. So you want to talk about intensity? I came home uh, like 15 minutes after curfew one time, and my dad made me write an essay on family loyalty and grounded me for about three weeks. My dad, I had that dad too. He, made, he yeah. used to make me write essays yeah, yeah, on yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, I turned that shit around. I was like, you want to talk about loyalty? <laughs> oh, shit. Oh. I'm so glad I had yeah. a captive audience at this moment. <laughs> You want to read some shit, Dad? <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> so I mean, I think there's a there's definitely a balance. I would love it, you know, if we ever have kids, I would love to be a parent where like they could call me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I also want to strike a balance of like them being healthy. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like you all deal with emotional regulation these days? <laughs> Between each other, pretty good, right? I mean, first in tears, what? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't swing too high or too low. Yeah, and I think if we ever, whenever we get to spaces where we're not communicating effectively, we just 
I call it taking space. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go in the other room and read or she'll go in the other room and read. I'm like, I'm going to sit up here and listen to music or I'm going to think about uh, something that James Baldwin said 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. 50 years ago. Um, He's much better at it than I am. I am not. At taking the space? You guys have like a safe word? <laughs> <laughs> so I think on the outside, that's probably. Like jellyfish. <laughs> I can't. I can't yeah. Jellyfish. I'm calling yeah, jellyfish. No, I can't no, do no, this. No, no. Um, I think. Uh, on the outside, it's probably how it looks. It's like, okay, we're upset. Let's just go to our separate corners. Um, but I am definitely that person who, like, in the where there's space, I fill it. Like, my natural inclination is to fill it with negativity. Mm. You know, like, he goes in the room and he's, you've seen all the memes of, like, the girls laying in bed. And then she's like, he's probably thinking about another woman. And the guy's, like, you know, like, building a Lego castle in his mind. <laughs> <laughs> Build itself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally that person. Like as soon as he's Yo. quiet, as soon as he's quiet, I'm like, oh no, yeah. oh no, what is it? Oh, you know. Man. So I, I definitely have to. I think I do a pretty good job of keeping it on the inside. Like I don't let my emotions dictate how I'm going to act towards other people when I'm having a bad day. I don't go to the gym and like take it out on people. Yeah. I don't take it out on him. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think we're doing okay. Yeah, I definitely, I can feel sometimes where I'm like, I don't know that I can communicate constructively. I'm pissed. I'm not going to say what I need to say. Right. Like, right yeah, I can't yeah. stay in that space. That's a hard thing for both of us, for both of us separately before we were together. And then now just because of the different aspects of our identity, neither one of us, and I'm sorry if I'm, I'm speaking for you, you can speak on it too if you want. Um, neither one of us feel like our anger is taken seriously. So when we don't take each other's anger seriously, it like compounds on itself. It's like, you know, you know that this is a thing and right. you're not taking it seriously. So mm. that gets that gets harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the unfortunate part about that is I think it's like a learned thing. I know what doesn't feel good. And there are times where I mirror it back Mm -hmm. when I shouldn't. I shouldn't redirect this thing that I learned in a space where I wasn't comfortable, where I wasn't heard or acknowledged, mentioned or or valid, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a thing that there are people that know about it. You know, you get in certain spaces. You're not allowed to be as angry as other people because it means something different when you get mad. Mm. And it's like, okay, I got to police myself differently than you do. Well, that's strange, but that's fine. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's strange, but it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm not welcome in this space if I get as angry as everybody else seems to so readily. Yeah, I, I a friend of mine just the other day told me, well, that I work with told me that they were at work, I wasn't there that day, and they were having conversations with some people. Actually, <laughs> people that listen to this that actually are at my job are going to cry laughing at this. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I talk reckless on here. But um, <laughs> some people were having a discussion about me. And they were just like, man, like he's just he's so kind and he's so genuine. He's so cool. He's so this. He's so that. Like, wow. Like, he's just like one in a million for black people. What? Mm. <laughs> now, and it's how just that so unusual <laughs> to find a black man yeah, right? who's kind and generous he, and all he these speaks things. well. And oh uh, my, you know, the yeah, 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 when you all oh, you're so well spoken. So I've been speaking English for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you mean? <laughs> so, so I understand it is, you know, at this point in time, it's, it's a lot of things. It's one, it's probably some form of being jaded like you live so many years you gotta you know what it is you know how a lot of people look at you what they're expecting you know what's going to be surprising whatever the case is um 
and then the other thing is understanding of how human beings work. Yep. I asked you guys about emotional regulation. Again, this whole mindfulness thing is really it's taken off. It's helped out with a ton of things. Mm-hmm. I was reading a book. Uh, I think it's called How to Have Impossible Conversations by a P, by James Lindsay and Peter Bogosian. I read this a while ago. But people very rarely give their interlocutor, their counterpart in conversation, the the appreciation and the leeway that they ought to have in conversation because people make decisions, whether it's something they're about to go do or something they're going to say to you next, thinking that they're doing the right thing. It's People aren't very, that analytical, mm-hmm. right? But people do like to believe that the things that they're doing on a constant, on a daily basis is the right thing to do. People like to believe that they're good people. Like you were just talking about your mom, right? She just, that's what she had in her arsenal. Like that's what everyone is just doing what they're doing with the information that they got. Yep. Right. And they're trying to do the best that they got with it. So I think a lot of the times you may find yourself in these positions where, again, someone you can't even get angry with everybody else. Everyone's looking at you like, yo, if he gets angry, he's flipping this whole motherfucker upside down. Like, he's about to tear this shit up, which doesn't really give you that leeway. But you say, it's weird, Mm -hmm. but it's fine. And I'm thinking, is it because you're looking at them wondering or thinking, I know why you're thinking what you're thinking. I know what position you're in emotionally or mentally, so I can't even bring myself to be upset with you over what it is that you won't allow me to do here. Because for me, I've been getting so much less upset with people and more so, I just see deficiencies that people have. Mm -hmm. I just see like, damn, like they had some sort of traumatic experience that brought that on. Like, damn, they're sad. Damn, they they have a misunderstanding. They're miseducated. Damn, they're like, this is a, this is an insecurity that's coming up. I can read it on their face. Like I can, Mm -hmm. I see all these things. I know why you're coming at me this way. I'm not upset with you at all. I feel for you. Hmm. I'm really like, damn, I I want to help you. So yeah. it's an increased amount empathy. of empathy. That's yes, what kind of mindfulness took empathy. me to. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I had the, the thought about that. Like, I'm, I'm definitely not a volatile person. Um, but the way that mindfulness took me to empathy was to start thinking about human behavior. And I was thinking about human speech first because I really love words. Mm. And I was thinking, well, you know, we talk to each other. We talk about each other. And we generally do it in the way that our conscience allows us to. Yes. So, I mean, somebody could be like, well, you know, I feel so guilty when I do what I did. It's like, yeah, well, you having a tummy ache and being upset about it is for your own benefit. That doesn't help the person that you wronged, you know. So that feeling of guilt. But it made me a little bit more empathetic and understand that um, people's behaviors have to do with what they know how to do to get their needs met. So somebody's they if they feel unheard, your boss at work's yelling because he thinks you didn't hear him. It's like, so where did you have the experience that made you feel unheard? So I'll choose my words more carefully sometimes with the person who I who I see is having that experience or has had that experience. Like you're yelling all the time, but it's not we're not in like a loud setting. Mm-hmm. You don't need to yell. So there are times where like I might repeat something back to somebody who's in that space mm-hmm. trying to talk over other people. And it's like you don't have to do that. But listen to me 
or let me share with you that I am listening and that I have heard what you said. And sometimes it diffuses situations. Yeah. Uh, but the whole part about it being it's okay. I've just socialized to realize for me to survive, I have to navigate spaces uh, more thoughtfully than some people have to. And it, it, I did used to resent it a lot. Yeah. Like, why don't other people have to think more about how they act around people and how they posture and uh, if they intimidate people or if people are just intimidated? It's like, I, I'm not intimidating you. Whatever you're experiencing and your perception of me makes you feel intimidation. But I'm not I'm not menacing. Like, I'm not showing up, like, bowing up on anybody. Right. But why don't people have to be this thoughtful? Like, why don't they act as if they have to be this thoughtful? Mm-hmm. But I just... That was something Jordan Peterson said in the Social interview. They were like, so you're a provocateur of sorts. And he was like, I mean, I guess I'm a provocateur in the sense that the things that I say, people are provoked by, mm-hmm. but not in any sense that I'm coming with the intention to provoke anybody. Yeah, I'm not an antagonist. I, I'm not. I'm saying truthful things. I'm saying things as truthfully and as well thought out as I possibly can. If you are provoked by that. You are provoked by that. That's a separate thing. That's a that's a whole set. Yeah, we got to learn to compartmentalize things. Yeah. I got what I'm doing. You got how you are feeling about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I think we do also though have to acknowledge the influence that we have on each other. You know that uh, communication is transactional. This is a big. Um, we, you were talking about buzzwords earlier. This is mm. a big like kind of buzz topic of conversation that like your triggers are on you. You know, like um, if it bothers you, that's on you. Yeah. Um, and there is an, a, an amount of personal responsibility that we want to take for our own feelings. Like you were both talking about with mindfulness. Mm. Um, but I don't get to be like, I don't get to be like, well, fuck you. And then, you know, when they're mad about it, be like, oh. Oh, you're mad because I said fuck you. Well, that's just on you yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like, no, go, go, oh, go meditate. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, figure yourself out. You're a fat out. piece of shit, and also don't be mad I said that because if you're triggered by that, just this because you're a fat piece of shit, and, and you're, you should be weak. mad about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I think there is a certain amount of responsibility that we have to take for the transaction that happens in our communication, or ideally, it's a transaction that happens um, because I. Like I said, I would I want to be responsible for myself for for how I I feel for how I react to things, but I don't think that that's a pass for people to be rude. Yeah. I don't think that's a pass for people to be like, well, what I said is true, and uh, you know, you you just get hurt by the truth, so you're just a weakling and a snowflake. You know, I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. I feel like that's where intention really comes in, mm. and uh, that's a hard thing to gauge. That's a hard thing for us to assess. Uh, even in the middle of the conversation, let alone if you're watching a conversation that comes that, that uh, you know, that, that other people are having. So I feel like going into conversations is just like, hey, I might be about to say a hard thing. But if the point is for us to move closer to the truth together, if the point is for us to really share an idea, that's what I want to get across to you. That Not that I'm trying to hurt your feelings, but that this idea needs to be shared. And maybe your feelings are going to be hurt along the way. So that was something that came up in the book a whole lot, too. You know, I talk about intention so much on this podcast because it and the person, again, making fun of me for not being excitable like you and saying to me, you're just so intentional, like you're so particular about everything. Were they talking to you like that? They I think they might have been. They may have been <laughs> wagging a finger like you are particular about every little thing. And to me, I don't know how how not to be. So the question I have is. When we're going into conversation, this could be something no one ever thinks about. What is your intention? 
I don't know if if people go into conversations with an objective, with with an intention. Oh, they do, but it's not a conscious objective. And I can guarantee mm-hmm. you that most people's conscious or unconscious intention is to get their point across. Yes. To, to not not to get their point across, not so that it's understood to express their point. To express their I want to be heard, like you're talking about. People don't listen to me. I'm going to say what I got to say, and I just want it to be in the universe. Yeah. I don't care if you hear it. I don't care if you understand it. I don't care if we have a conversation about it. I want to be heard, and that's it. And that's why we keep having those conversations like you were talking about where people are just waiting to say what they want to say, that they're not listening, that they're not actually interacting with each other. I would guess that that's uh, an unconscious intention of a lot of people's conversations. Mm-hmm. See, I think in looking through all the darkness, one of the many things I figured out is that I don't know shit. Right. (laughs) And so one of the one of the many things, phenomenons that I've been so phenomena, I guess I should say that that I've been (laughs) (laughs) pronouncing things correctly. Okay, trying to make sure we get the Latin plurals correct. Okay. It's a Latin, you know, the minute in That's hilarious, nerd. I love this. It's going to keep coming back up. Oh, that's that's a great running joke. All right. (laughs) Everything we've been talking about has been nerdy. (laughs) That's the common thread between everything we've talked about is nerd shit. <laughs> okay, hold on. I lost my damn track of thought. Uh, you don't know shit. A common phenomenon. <laughs> a common phenomenon of right, common yes, phenomena. Yes, uh, is curiosity. I wrote yeah. a book on this a long time ago. The, the fact that we all grow and all these babies are curious. They want to mm-hmm. know what this is and that is and grabbing this and taking that and burning themselves because they're putting their hand in their mom's coffee. They want to know what that is. Just that insatiable thirst for knowledge. And data is is wild, it's, but it's such a beautiful thing to watch in like a young person. Yeah. And at some point in time, for various reasons, reasons that scientists don't know exactly what curiosity is about. There's a lot of theories, and I love the theories. I love the theories, and I'll, we can get into the, some of the theories. Um, but to see that slowly dissolve, to dissipate through time, and it can be through conditioning. Or maybe just again some some nature some gene stuff that I don't know about, uh-huh. but then to see someone lose that. But it's interesting that certain people are allowed through the grace of God or whatever to sustain curiosity as they get older. Yeah, and that's a wild wild thing. I don't know shit. I'm super curious. Yeah, you put those two things together, like the the awareness that I don't know shit. And me being genuinely curious about everything. You want to talk about a nerd. Yo, I legitimately am a child about things. Just in ge- It doesn't matter really what it is. Yeah. If you start talking to me about something and you care about it, I care about it. We were just talking about this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if my, if my friend's into something, mm-hmm. even if I'm not big into it, I'm like, if you like it, I love it. Tell yeah. me. What's going on? Okay, it originated here, and you found it that way, and it did what for you? Like, yeah, yeah, like, well, yeah, like you're what? in a Jenga competition. I'm gonna be there. Holy shit! <laughs> no, I mean, no, no, no. But, if, not, but, if, but yeah, wait, but right. have you known someone to do a Jenga competition? No. Oh. But, if, but if one of my friends was in yeah. a Jenga competition, I was like, oh shit! Yeah, no, yeah yo, I'd be there. this fucker. I threw a big brunch uh, last maybe February or something like that. Brunch. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Can't even do words. That's wild. Had an ass not on. We had mimosas. For sure. Pomegranate. 
Mikey came and we had of like course you did, Mikey. giant Jenga in of Mikey's brain. Yeah. Oh my. Mikey's yeah. brain. Mm-hmm. He came through just a dickhead with the way he played. Because I never saw anyone play the way he would. Because he would just like he would just walk up and like he has just an engineering mind. Like he just knows how things are built. He just walked up, he would just start smacking, like smack the logs yeah. out of there. And he would do it with such velocity. The the log would go flying and it would twist the whole structure of the Jenga thing. And then it just made it's like, yo, what I've never seen a Jenga tower even look yeah. like this. Like it's all sp- like it's a spiral yeah, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Like, bro, that's See, that's what I'm saying. So just things like that, like the, he has the vision to just walk up to a Jenga like, and just do that. That's exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Like, what? I can't see that. But you have a vision. Same way you walk in there and you can train people the way you can because you see the shackles. You see what they could be. Other people can't see it. You have a vision. I don't. I could talk to you about that all day long because I don't know shit about it, but you do. Mm-hmm. Right? So those two things together... I come into conversation and my intention all the time is I just want to understand. I come into every conversation as a student. Yeah. Like I, something's about to happen here. They know something I don't know. Mm-hmm. They have insight I don't have. Mm-hmm. Something's going to happen here. And if I just come in here and I'm present and I'm genuine and that meaningful conversation will be wrought mm-hmm. from those things. It's going to happen. We're all going to be rewarded from this. We're going to walk away from this feeling enriched yeah. in various ways. And so that's my intention when I walk into these conversations. Again, people don't have them. Maybe they do. Maybe they're not matching. But if you get people, various people to come together and they all have that intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. It's, yeah, it's- Ooh. yeah. That's lovely. That's how we grow. Mm-hmm. That's probably yeah. that's probably how the friggin' pyramids were made, and Stonehenge. You, you know, around. like they were. Yeah, they were like, how would we do this? How well? How would you do it? Well, okay. Well, we've done that. So could we do it any bigger? You know, like and a whole that, bunch of people were like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think we could. Let's let's check it out. Yeah, let's try it. So if you have this conversation with Mikey, he's going to swear up and down aliens. I don't know. Again, I don't know anything. But if you get in the alien talk with Mikey, he'll take you there. I'm sure he'll take you to all of these, all of these ancient places. And yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think so much of that growing and learning comes from like, uh, to me, empathy comes from a place of honesty and creativity and curiosity comes from a place of humility. Cause like if I get around folks, well, they're not me. So they have a different lived experience. They're from someplace, different parentage, different siblings, different job. So every person you meet knows something that you don't know. That's a strong fork right there for a lot of people, though. Right. And so I have a lot of theories around why that would be. Mm-hmm. It's probably a survival mechanism, mm-hmm. but also like the humility that it takes to even acknowledge, I don't know everything. It's, it's just such a simple and silly thing because it's like, of course you don't. You're one person. You just got here. In yes. the grand scheme of things. Right. So how do you, it is, to me, it is odd that people don't have the humility to say that because mm-hmm. it's like, you just got here and you're not even going to be here for that long. Like, how do you not? see that all of these other people are living real, mentionable, valid lives and their experiences are different than yours. Don't you think they've learned things that are different from what you've learned? Don't you right. want to know what those things are? Right, yeah. for yeah. sure. Like, that should be your- Like, don't you want to, like, see, like, the next thing that may ex- excite you, the, the next thing that you'll yeah. know? Like, that. that's 
That's awesome. Like yeah. that that spontaneity of just waking up and never knowing what the day might give you if you go into conversations and engagements with people yeah. that way. Mm-hmm. It's exciting because I do it all. The, I mean, now that's just I mean, it's been my life for a long time. But mm-hmm. I wake up and before I go to bed every morning, I mean, every night I'm like, yep, didn't know that was going to go down that way. That was an awesome day for that. Yeah. Like that. It could. I, you, if I woke up and you questioned me as long as you want to, I could have never told you that the day was going to present to me what it did the way that it did. Mm-hmm. That's why um, another part of like connecting with stroke survivors is because I love talking to people that have had near death experiences because it's like, Hey, was the rest of the day normal? And they're like, yeah, I would have never predicted that. Mm-hmm. And so it's not so much like, Hey, you don't know if you'll be here tomorrow. You don't know if you'll be here later today. For sure. And like you talk to these people who've had that upfront confrontation and you're like, the rest of the day was completely normal. No signs. And they're like, yeah. Completely normal. Good day. Regular. I went to uh, Bennigan's for sweet potato fries and boneless wings. Mm. Whatever it might have been. Boneless wings. <laughs> boneless wings are wings. Boneless wings are wings. <laughs> so, that, he's an advocate. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just. Is that there. an argument? Listen, if it is, it shouldn't be because boneless wings are wings. And yes, I am an advocate. For okay. This. All yeah. right. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> that goes back to the humility you were talking about, which is, again, why this was probably wrought from that is you're talking about people with near-death experiences. Now, again, kids say no, go to school, all that. These psychedelic trips. Or don't. <laughs> Do as you please. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> and y'all are trying to like seep into the subconscious with the way you're doing it. Do what feels right. <laughs> Trust your spirit, guys. Let go. Let go. Let go. They're not going to hear us say it, but they're going to be like. I feel like I should do what I feel. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I should let go. I'm sick of all of this. These damn mental shackles. shackles. <laughs> Get the shackles. <laughs> Sorry, parents. <laughs> but uh, from what I understand, a lot of a lot of these psychedelic experiences, like very strongly brought on psychedelic experience give a lot of the benefits of going through these near-death experiences. Now, I've never gone through a near-death experience, mm-hmm. but I've gone through some psychedelic experiences. And what I like? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, phenomenal for me. Yeah. I've never gone into one uh, expecting anything other than that. I, I mean, that's but, the key. But again, yeah, it, it is a lot of the key. It's, I mean, you can just see it on, on a base level completely sober Mm -hmm. you walk into a place what are the vibes like what are the people in there talking about how are they positioning themselves are they yelling at each other is it volatile like what's what what is it looking like if it's not then there's a pretty good chance you could be having a good time with these people at least you know that nothing's going to explode or implode right or at least you're not expecting that so it's the same thing you don't want to go into an experience that's going to give you an extremely heightened sense of awareness mm-hmm. right and and just feeling and be in that sort of position yeah. where it's just things you don't know which way they're going to go right even though through the process you realize that you never know like you were just talking about how things are going to go so you have to let go regardless you just got to let go mm-hmm. um they were all fantastic experiences all absolutely fantastic. Um, I could, I could feel my consciousness expanding in every single time. In the sense that there were always things I read a lot of books, have a lot of conversations, and a lot of the times it's like you have an idea 
that's right outside of 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 it's within your consciousness. You understand it logistically, like logically speaking, you understand it. Theoretically speaking, you understand it. But it's a different thing for it to for you to feel it, for it to become like a part of the tapestry of your being. Yeah. You don't have to question it anymore. You don't even have to try to think about it. It's just there. The sky's blue. This is this. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you feel it on that level. You become enmeshed with it. Um, so one of the many things. Or, yeah. One of the many things that took hold was. I'm tripping. I go in my room and I'm, I have my eyes closed and there's, you know, you have all these, what people talk about, these kaleidoscope sort of effects, a lot of images, things are bright, they're interesting, they're beautiful. A lot of things folding on each other, collapsing, opening up, reborn, and you just see this forever changing, forever changing, forever different substance in front of you. Mm-hmm. What was so interesting to me was that I felt as though this thing was speaking to me in like it was English. I was interpreting data and information mm-hmm. from things moving as if someone was speaking my first language to me. Mm-hmm. And what it was, what I learned from that was everything is everything and nothing at the same time. Right. There is such malleability in life if you pay attention, you look at things, you can understand that things are so much more freer than you once thought that they were. Mm-hmm. You can you can and life can manipulate itself in such interesting ways, inconceivable ways to you prior. But now, as I left that experience and I went into life just in conversation that has allowed conversation for me to just be so much more uh, varietal because it's not nearly as structured. You hit me up and was like, so what are we doing? Right. And you even said it when you came in here, what are we doing? What is the podcast? Do you, are you going to ask us questions? Is this like interview style? What is it? I could, I don't think I could do the podcast another way. Not well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it has to be this free, but at the same time, it follows a structure. It, follow, it follows a thread. There is a storyline. It may not seem like it to us because we've just been so engrossed in this conversation. Mm-hmm. But on the outside, like when you go back and listen to this, there was a thread through this whole thing. Right. But it also the, the last people on here. I, I love the way that this guy, my friend Trey, said it was. You, you keep it slightly structured, but you still allow it to breathe. And that's kind of, I guess, what I'm talking about. The the phenomenon that took place in my mind that day was you got to allow things to breathe. You have to get out of your own way in order to see all the different shapes and forms that things can take because you you are narrowing your vision for no reason. You're getting in your way for no reason. You have to get outside of that. I'd like to ask you, sir, philosopher king, because I ask everyone. What is at the forefront of your mind these days? Um, I call it sailing. So it's like service, acceptance, identity, and learning. Okay. <clears throat> and so finding out what the what those four things mean to me and how each of them is going to take shape every single day. Do I help someone? What do I acknowledge about myself or somebody else that I can accept? Um, when I look over the things that I want to change and can't change, how do I handle those? And then thinking about identity 
thinking of it as like a collection of ideas that I accept to be true about myself. Mm. And then, of course, learning, because every person you meet knows something you don't. So you have like this endless journey of just bumping into people who have all of these things to be curious about, <clears throat> all of these experiences that they can share with you. Not everybody wants to, but a lot of people do and they can. And to me, like as a collective, as a collective, we move closer to something true. We move closer to the capital T truth, because I think that we could potentially, this is another wild theory, we could potentially be like pieces of something else collective. But yes. the, the thing we're supposed to do is together. Whatever it is that Whatever we're is. doing is together. You share your experience with me and I share my experience with you and me being the seed of something that was from a, one continent and you being the seed of something from another that might not have otherwise crossed paths. Like we could share something. Mm. And I think it's part of what we might be here to do. It's just to be little pieces of a big overall experience. I, uh, I was at a botanical gardens recently and, uh, I think my friends saw, Oh, they saw a spider like building, like weaving a web. And they're just like, gosh, like, look at this. just so interesting. Spiders. Like this is what they're going to do all day long is just weave this web and wait for something to come in here. And if somebody walks over there and ends up knocking the web down, you know what they're going to do? They're going to weave that shit again, mm -hmm. however many times they have to do it. Like, wow, it's just, it just seems so, I don't know, tedious, pointless, weird. Like, this is the way that they were looking at it. <laughs> it's like, and I'm like, I'm like, hmm, that's interesting that you say that. Have you ever, like, seen an ant farm? Like, yeah, I've seen an ant farm. I was like, so you probably feel the same way about the ant farm, too. And they were like, yeah, I was like, you don't see any correlation between like them and us. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, I hear that going in outer space and looking back at Earth changes your your mind about things. I, I think that there's I, I could feel that I've been to a lot of mountaintops. I love to hike. So I've been to a lot of mountaintops and look down and I understand, I think, on a much, much more minuscule degree what that may be like. Mm -hmm. You start looking down like, man, look at these. Look. Like, all those those problems seem so little from up here. And it's, so to be up there in space and be looking at Earth like, what do we got going on down here? But I tried to get my friend to look from this perspective. You looking up as an, or looking down as an alien, what, how are we not the ant farm? Yeah. Like, we're running around doing a bunch of things where we get up, we put on like cloth, a bunch of cloth and shit and like do a bunch of weird stuff with our hair. And then we, we look at ourselves in the mirror <laughs> and we go get in a car and we drive to a place and we get out and we spend like nine hours there or whatever with a bunch of other people. We get, we come back home. We, we do but, like, we do all these things, but if you were looking at it, it'd be, it'd be the same exact thing. I only say that to say, like you said, whatever it is we're doing, whatever it is that the ants are doing, we're doing it together. <laughs> like whatever it is, whatever, however minuscule or insignificant you want to call it, we're doing it together. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but you're really interested in identity. Oh yeah. You're, you're big identity guy. You're really interested in it. And so that was, that was another calling of the, the psychedelic drugs. The ego drops out. Mm -hmm. Right. So I was interested in that when you, when you were talking about your experience with, with the stroke, right. As you said, like your ego was trying to, to fight for its place, mm -hmm. right? Now, a lot of people don't have this humility you speak on to say, I don't know everything. I'm actually just going to sit here as a student and just listen to this person. A lot of people have never really gone through anything that that removes their ego. 
or takes their ego, just just suspends it at mm. least, just suspends it for enough time for you to realize this is we're all here together. Like I'm no different than this other person. Like we're just all here together doing our thing. Mm. Once you remove that sense of self or that sense of identity and you just feel I'm just as concerned about your well-being as I am mine. Like when that happens, you're like, oh, that's an option that's available. You can even tune into that frequency to feel the same concern for someone's health and well-being as I usually do my own. I've never met this person before, but I feel like I love them. (laughs) Like I feel like I want the very best for them. Even if I have to take a hit for it, like that's crazy. That's a wild thing to tune into. So I feel like that's the that's sort of uh, the correlation I draw between some of the near death experience that a lot of these people have had that maybe you've spoken to, along with a lot of people that have taken you know these psychedelic drugs, DMT, ayahuasca, shrooms, whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. Um, but very very interesting. I have to ask you the same exact question. What is on the forefront of your mind these days, Blaze? Um, that's, that's a good question. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm thinking about everything all the time. Um, <laughs> so I'm in school right now. Um, I'm what getting you doing? Uh, my master's in social work. Okay. Um, so that's uh, school is on my mind. I guess with what I'm thinking about right now is I'm I'm always curious about things that are going on around me that I have no idea about. Um, and like, just to give you an example, we were, I was just reading an article on, um, I came home and told Vince about it. I was like, I actually read this article top to bottom, which is very unusual, you know, because these like academic journal articles are like dense, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You usually are trying to like get the, the gist of what you need to, you don't read the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one was on, uh, a, a measure that, um, these researchers were trying to implement to make, um, spirituality a more prevalent part of the conversation for native American clients. Um, so, I guess in the way that you would typically speak, like the way that we would speak to each other about spirituality. Um, it's like, you know, we're talking about God where, um, and we talk about, uh, you know, going to, we haven't yet, but we talk about going to church. We talk about, um, stuff like that. And I guess the article was just like making uh, reference to the fact that, uh, when you try to talk to native American clients like that about their spirituality, it's, kind of uh, cutting them off from the conversation Mm. because they're like, we don't call, we don't talk about God like that. Like we refer to him, it, whatever, as something else. Um, You you can't ask me about what my favorite scriptures are because so much of what we do is an oral tradition. Uh, You can't ask me about what my church support is like because I don't go to a church. I'm not a member of a congregation. Um, So things that you, you wouldn't even think of, to talk to somebody about because you just straight up don't know. Mm -hmm. And then when you go to ask them about like one of the, the feedback about the measure was, you know, when you ask them about their spiritual rituals, do you know that there are rituals that you can't ask them about? Like it's a private thing and you can't actually ask the details for it. And if you do, you're going to make them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, So just, I'm, I feel like in social work uh, with what I'm learning is that you're trying, you're always trying to expand what it is you know and like and and push away uh, or or 
um, get rid of that space where you're like, I have no idea about this group of people. And obviously you can't know everything. um, But just being like, oh man, I had never considered somebody's identity from that point of view. I had never considered that maybe it's hard for you to have conversations with your care providers because they keep asking you about God and God's not a thing that you're familiar with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You 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 think of uh, the great spirit, the creator, however you refer to them. Um, And uh, yeah, so I'm always just like, I'm always on the lookout for like, huh, I had no idea. So yeah. just trying to be like exposed to different cultures or, uh, you know, ways of, of doing things that are just completely different from how I would have done them. Because sometimes you, you know, you do things and you're like, oh, this is how this is done. It's like, no, 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 that's how you do it. Right. And you don't know what those things are until you meet people, read about people or learn about people that do them a different way. Hmm. That's very interesting. That that oral like being passed down generation to generation, that's like a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Like stories being told, like no one knows about. Like these are just stories that just live in this culture in languages passed down. There are no books on this. I didn't even know. I did not know that Hawaiian was was that thing. I did not know that till maybe a couple months ago. I was reading an article on it in, like, in the Smithsonian magazine. Shout out to my grandma. Grandma always get me to Smithsonian magazines. Um, Thanks, grandma. <laughs> yeah, man. She's about to have her 91st birthday in March. Oh, yeah, that's she, awesome. she's moving around. She's so funny. I'm gonna say this on here. She is so funny. <laughs> now, I don't know if this is a normal old thing to do. I don't think it is because every time I tell people, they're like, go rock on. <laughs> she she is just walking around with her little vodka and orange soda, mm-hmm. just like just scooting around, having <laughs> conversations. I'm like, damn, 91. Yeah. Like you rocking, mm-hmm. enjoying yourself. Yep. Who cares it. if it's normal? That's awesome. Yeah, was it? Enjoying the time. Oh, enjoying the time. I thought you was like, I do that all the time. I'm no, like, I was like, wait a minute. Should, <laughs> I'm not saying that. Now that you bring it up, I feel like we should all be doing it all the time. <laughs> I feel like I've taken enough time with all of my weird things that we need to get in some of more of your weird things. Sir, you are the first person to come here with written <laughs> material. Really? Ty- typed. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. My handwriting is trash. That's why I had to type it out. <laughs> and I wanted to do that because, you know, I, I don't know. And I guess maybe there was a tinge of expectations. But I'm like, well, mm. I run across somebody like the people I work with and I need to have a structure like X, Y, and Z. Right. And I, well, so I, I don't know if you know, it. but Vince had a stroke. So sometimes it's hard for him to remember things. There's that too. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> having a brain injury does that to you. Um, yeah, so. like that. Yeah. Oh, no, we all made that yeah. connection. <laughs> <laughs> Love, we can get these jokes off in here. That's fantastic. You gotta be able to. La- Yo, yeah. I've been thinking about a lot of different lists of a lot of different things. A list I've been putting together are underrated characteristics. Fighting for number one right now is, I guess, the humility to be able to laugh at oneself. That's how you survive. Oh my! I don't think I can really thrive Mm -hmm. around people that can't take a couple of jokes like you can't laugh at yourself that's crazy yeah like this whole business is pretty ridiculous (laughs) you think your part is too serious you can't (laughs) laugh at that part too cool for jokes jokes. come on man like everything that we're living through is absolutely absurd yeah Yeah. you don't think that you're about yeah we're playing mad lives at this point (laughs) oh my god yeah okay sir and well before because you said um 
I have a couple things on my mind, a couple tabs open. One, it's going to be funny when we get back into it, because you can probably completely forgot about it by now, but I'm going to open it up later on. Uh-oh. Um, yes, he's the first person to come with typed content because people do ask all the time, as you would, because no one podcasts. Like None of the guests just podcast. Like, I haven't had another podcaster on, and so... People are they're nervous again. They're apprehensive. They're not. They're at least just concerned. Like what what's going on? Do I have to be a character? Mm-hmm. Is is there cussing? Is there no cussing? Are we? Can we talk about whatever? Oh, I probably should have we... asked that. No, <laughs> no. You were you... sure I call somebody a fucking pussy? <laughs> Five minutes. <laughs> Easy. Easy. Don't Easy. Ask just oh, forgiveness. Yeah. Oh, I'm right intense. After... No, you're a fucking pussy. How about that one? <laughs> right after. Is there very? <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> There is now. <laughs> so, so people, so people like to ask these questions, and I just, I, I, my very first thing is comfortability. I just want people to be able to come and feel comfortable. Don't worry about what you're bringing. If you have some things on the top of your mind, like great, that's that's cool. We can talk about whatever you want to, but also understand that I'm not going to put you in a position where it's like, okay, go, yeah. Dance, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> entertain us. You know what joke. I mean? Like that's crazy. Yeah. So uh, it's never the You're case. Host. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I I try to be. I try. I try my very best to be. So no, no one's ever coming in here with anything. You came in here. You got two pages. Well, this is his copies. It's oh, those copy. are copies. He oh, you got. Oh, he got copy. you a copy. He got me a copy. Is there anything that we just accidentally kind of touched on on here? Oh yeah, oh, like a yeah. uh, sailing service act. Service acceptance, identity, and learning, introspection. We mentioned positivity. There's a bunch of stuff. Joy, here. joy, we talked joy about. positivity, mm-hmm. and cheerfulness. Hey, uh, we talked about identity. That's don't you love when these things just again just naturally. Yeah. What is on there we haven't spoken about, or we have that you you're like nah, hold on, we didn't get into it the way I want to, or we haven't gotten to it at all. <laughs> oh my goodness, there's so much to it. Like each of these. I could just talk about it forever. So I'll say the first one is just this quote that I had in my mind about Oscar Wilde, from Oscar Wilde, rather. Like, man is least himself when he talks in his own person. Give him a mask and he will tell you the truth. So I was like, huh. When a person has an opportunity to veil themselves or to sit behind a keyboard, they can, like, <laughs> they can put a lot more out that they might not say if they had to stand behind what they're saying. Yes. Like, okay. Yes. Or if you had to know, this is me saying it. Yeah, it's representative of me. I put this thing out there. And just like that idea that I said before, that's um, what we say to and about people is what our conscience allows. I'm going to say something. And now it represents the fact that this is how I see myself. Either somebody has said this to me and now I'm saying it to you, or it's just a story that I've reinforced on my own. It's part of my identity. It's part of the ideas that I accept to be true about myself. And when people don't have to have that representation, when they can stay behind something, they'll spit out a lot more of what they've been feeling uh, than when they have to stand behind it. Uh, pro-, pro tip, interpersonal communication pro tip for anyone out there listening. It helps in conversation, especially if it's going to be a heightened conversation, right? A little, a little intense um, or high stakes. Separating people from their thoughts and feelings uh-huh. help drastically. If you start saying, wagging your finger, you in the way you think or your idea or your feelings, now it's clearly an all on assault. Right. And no one that's not going to help. Honestly, this is this is a nice thing. Just ask yourself when you're in conversation with someone, whatever your objective is, 
really ask yourself and think about it. The way that I'm I'm exhibiting myself, the way that I'm conveying this information, do I really expect for this to help? Do I really expect for this to facilitate the sort of comfortability that needs to be had in order for something fruitful to come from this? Like, do, do I really think that's the case? So separating people, I think that this idea is... Right. Instead of your idea mm-hmm. is not you. And this is a lot of people's problems with identity is people take these things on and it's mine. Yeah. It's my thought, my conceptualization, my feeling. It's like this is a feeling that you're having. This is a concept you're conceptualizing. Mm-hmm. This is an idea you thought about. This is a quote you said, you heard, whatever. But these things don't have to be you. It goes back to that malleability. Right. Of life and everything in us being everything and nothing at the same time. These things can be different. You I think a lot of uh, issue that people have changing their mind about stuff, being able to broaden their horizons and listen to people long enough to really let something, you know, tap their consciousness in a new way is. If I change my mind, doesn't that mean I folded? Doesn't that mean I was wrong? Yeah, like I was wrong. I folded. I, I let them know that I don't know everything. I'm not I'm not the person I thought I was or I wanted them to think I was. Am I wrong if I was wrong about something? Is that a different are those mm. are those things different? Yes, yeah. That's actually the biggest thing that I get out of my mindfulness practice is being able to separate myself from my feelings, from my thoughts, that I can be a steady thing. And think things. And I am not my thoughts. I am not my feelings. Be and the observer. Yeah, being that observer. Having that your ego and your witness. Like this thing that is um, timeless. And then this thing that interacts with the world and can change its mind and everything. So I think, and it does, like you were saying about your identity. I think when you can have aspects of yourself that are just that, that they're just aspects. It makes it easier to change your mind about it because, oh, this is just a thing that I think. Of course I can change my mind about a thing that I think. It's right. not It's not as easy to change your yourself around a thing that you are, if that's really what you believe. Right. You don't take things as personally. It's just like, oh, you just having a problem with this thing that I did in this one moment of the my entire existence. Like, oh, that's fine. Like, it was just that thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's fine. I can easily detach myself from that. I think it's just a, a healthy detachment. Detached but in tune is the way that I like to, yeah. I like to sort of conceptualize it. Mm-hmm. But no, that, yeah, that's, that's, that's good. I like that. There's this, uh, this old fable in the Bodhidharma, and it's about the idea of in the what the Bodhidharma, Bodhi, Bodhidharma, and which and what's that? Yeah, which faith uh, is that? I want to say I'm not gonna misrepresent this, um, so I'll I'll dig into that. But okay. The idea is people are just waiting. Like, what's it from? Yeah, Vince? yeah, yeah it like, from? I'm yeah. Not, go ahead, mess it up. <laughs> I don't want to attribute this to some people. It would be like a very serious thing because right, okay. it's obviously a collection of thoughts that mean a lot to people. Um, but the things that people say. Uh, that doesn't become you or that isn't becoming of you. It mm. comes from a legend in the Bodhidharma uh, mm. where a seeker asks someone about being the observer and it's explained to them. It's important to be the observer so that that thought doesn't become you <laughs> just because you've yeah. had that thought. Like you are not that thought. It's funny because incidentally, I am not my body either, but that's like a different conversation. Yeah. 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 Uh, but so that the thought does not become you. So it's like if I have sadness or anger, fear or anxiety, um, 
I don't become that thing. I don't say, oh, I am an anxious person. Well, you're having anxiety. Yes. It's like a movie from Blockbuster. Take it back when you're done with it. But mm-hmm. listen, yeah, right, right, you right. are not, you don't have to become this thing. Mm-hmm. Observe it, notice it, don't deny it. Yeah. But in mindfulness, learning to domesticate your feelings means a lot more than uh, emotional avoidance. Like, I don't right. have any emotions. Well, that's not true. Yeah. Right. You're getting better at observing and tending to your emotions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That goes back to um, that James Baldwin quote. Um, that you bring up a lot that uh, about you can only change what you face. Right. That if you, I mean, I'm going to mess it up. You should say it. Uh, not all things that are faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. Yeah. He talks about that being um, the confrontation that our empathy and compassion and even wisdom hinges on. We're able to face certain things, even in other people. Mm-hmm. Um because if we can't face it ourselves, you can't face anybody else. You can you can fool yourself into yeah, thinking no that you're dealing way. with the reality of somebody, mm-hmm. but you're just dealing with your idea of them. You mm-hmm. get, and if you haven't dealt with it in yourself, you're just you're shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, your idea of them without all this introspection, having communication is just it's it's just no way it's gonna happen. I, I honestly I don't even know. <laughs> well, I would say I don't know how most people are having conversations, like how it's even going down. But I do. It's just terrible. Like it's just there's just a lot of terrible communication yeah. at all points Talking of time. Points back and forth. When yeah. you communication. yeah, and then we there are too many people in the room. They say in communication, like just two people. Let's just, just leave it at two. Mm-hmm. I have who I am identity thing. Whatever that means. All the collection, all the shards put together to make this mosaic. I'm that. You have that person. Then I also have the person that I think I am sitting Mm -hmm. here. Then I also have the person that I think you think I am. Yeah. And that's three people. We just dealing with me. Now we got you. Yeah, <laughs> right. So so there, there's a lot, but you can break these down. But if, if you're not having these types of conversations or allowing you again, your ego to die off or, you know, at least being able to suspend it in the name, in the sake of cur- real curiosity mm-hmm. and, and, you know, want of understanding and knowledge, then I, I just I don't see how it happens. Actually, I'm actually just quite a great observer of conversation. And sometimes I just listen to people talk. So I wonder, I'm like, what? You, you, th- nothing is happening right <laughs> you all now. Sports? Uh, no, not really. Me either, which is hard because people are like, did you catch the ball game? And I'm like, what season is it? Uh, no. <laughs> what season? I didn't. Um, uh, Mikey. Maybe I'll see the highlights I'm sorry. Yeah. Mikey comes in. He's like, do you see what happened? I'm like, Nope. Whatever you're about to say. No, I didn't. Yeah. I try to catch the highlights because I don't follow sports. But people generally would like to talk to me about so I was like, where'd you play ball? I'm like, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't play ball. I'm very athletic, but I don't, I don't uh, participate in normal sports. <laughs> yeah, right. Never ran a touchdown, sir. Sorry, I never dunked the ball. Actually, I did, but no, but yeah, but it's I, irrelevant, right? But no, I don't. I don't play any organized basketball. I don't. Yeah. I don't do that thing. Now, that's not to say that if somebody runs up there like, "Yo, did you see?" The-? I can't talk specifics with you. Sure, clearly, right? Like, I don't know who got drafted. Who's on the team? Mm-hmm. What the team's doing? Who they signed? Who for? What manager just got you know ejected from the whole league because he just got caught saying some racist shit? Like I don't know about any of this stuff. Yeah. But I'm down to have the conversation because again, if you're into it, I can be into it. Yeah. Right. And I've 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 had this conversation on here before. I have found that love for the the show Chopped. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm trying to cook some stuff these days. Mm-hmm. Right. It, they show job will make you think that you somebody. Yeah. Is that on Netflix? What's that on? Uh, it is on Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah. They got mad season. They got Chop Junior. They bring a little kid. Look, yo, these kids are amazing. Yeah. 
you see these little kids come together again, but with that sight. Yeah. Because, the, the you know, the whole show is you got these contestants. They got a basket in front of them. They're, they're, they're three courses. And they just open up the basket. And there's just a bunch of unseemingly, you know, related, you know, uh, or unrelated things. It could be some fucking gummy bears with a chicken leg, a bag of flaming Hot Cheetos, <laughs> some asparagus, some chocolate, like get get it together, make and it they work. Have to make, they have to make a three course Make a dinner. Meal. Well, they have to make one course, but there are two more rounds where they open oh, up new baskets. Oh, okay, okay. But the whole thing for me is they open up this basket and I'm looking at a chicken leg and some gummy bears and yeah. whatever the fuck. And they open this basket and they just see possibility. Right. That's beautiful yeah. to me. Yeah. And I've been interested in sports, not because of the the specifics of the games, mm-hmm. but because of the things that these people do that I can't understand. We were just watching like a Brandon Marshall highlight. He's a receiver. And uh, anybody listening to this probably knows who Brandon Marshall is. I need to have to say <laughs> I, that. I only know who he is because of I Am Athlete because of their show. Yeah. yeah. He's a good conversationalist, oh, too. Oh, yeah, great conversation. But uh, I was watching this highlight of him. I'm watching this 6'5", 230-pound guy fly down the field. I see the ball coming towards him. Like, he's like, I'll catch it. He turns around and catches it with one hand. And I'm like, what? People can do that? And that's how I <laughs> think about it. While people are like, trying to take his head off, you know, while people, people are running and trying to take his head off. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm just blown away. Yeah, like backwards, like that. Like, yeah, he turned hand upside down. And just kept it moving. I'm like, what? I got a human body. I can't do that. <laughs> I'm like, that the is things. crazy. Yeah. So it's just another, like, the possibilities. He's yeah. one of those guys that just opens your eyes to the possibilities of what the physical body can do. Um, so it's cool to see stuff like that. I do I do appreciate athleticism because it's an expression uh, of physicality. And uh, I know how hard it is to do certain things. So I'm just, I just don't follow organized sports very closely. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've talked about the intensity that uh, like any NFL quarterback has to deal with. Because you just said, and then you have these gladiators about to go and take their heads off at any moment, right? Mm-hmm. And he's just like, <laughs> yeah. like just catching the ball real quick. <laughs> Got it. Right? But to be a quarterback, you're constantly in that position. Like, yeah. they're constantly trying to kill you. Yeah, they like don't, they snap the ball, everybody's coming at you. Yeah, they yeah. don't care how cool you are. Like, no. you're Tom Brady. Of course, everyone loves you. But on the field, we don't care. Yeah, We're I'm coming to work. kill you. I'm coming mm-hmm. to smash you. Exactly. I, how how do you get into the mind of a person that has the strongest people on the planet running after them at full speed? Because these are strong people, but they also quick too. Yeah. So so that you have f- full refrigerators coming at you, mm-hmm. and somehow you you're reading like your players, you're reading the defense, yeah. you know exactly. Like, you, you got to be, again, getting out of the way. You got to be nimble. And you're expected to put the ball where the ball's supposed to go yeah. 40, 50 yards down the, mm-hmm. the field. Mm-hmm. And you do it? Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> bro, it's crazy to me, Just honestly. Every it's, play. Yeah, bro. Yes. Like, bro, like, y'all aren't clapping loud enough in the stands. Like, y'all, y'all aren't excited enough because this is just, you just know that. But this yeah. is amazing. So I just get excited when people are good at things. Mm-hmm. It don't you don't gotta be a professional. I don't care. I I skip rocks. I'm a I am a habitual rock skipper. You find me a nice little pond or something like that with some nice smooth rocks. Yeah, I'm skipping rocks. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> Bring it back. <laughs> that is some no, no that, that is that is a thousand. Yeah, no, I'm glad you didn't let that one get past. Yeah, yeah. That is some nerd shit. Yeah, because who talks about skipping rocks? 
<laughs> but that's my little thing when I yeah. go out hiking if I find a nice little thing. And sometimes people are like, God damn, like, I would have never thought about it before, like skipping rocks. But that's really cool that you can just skip rocks the way that you can. Mm-hmm. I, I find interest in all of it. Yeah. I do not care how good someone is. If you're good at something, you can come in here and be the plumber. What is it that you are about to do that I couldn't do? Right. Mm-hmm. I had to call you for a reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you about to do something and you like doing what you do. You're so good at it. You love it. Yeah. Yeah. You Legit. Watch, cool. Did you seen those videos of like, uh, like world's fastest workers or whatever it is. Somebody's like, I can make these 12 sandwiches in 13 seconds. And then they just like put down the buns and the bread and the mayo and all this stuff. Oh, I need to look at those. I love seeing stuff like, mm-hmm. like these wild compilations that they're not really nourishing. It's just entertainment. But I just love seeing these people who are really insanely good at their job. I watched a guy cut grass with a scythe and he was just going back and forth. Whoa. Like, he cut like, this whole lawn. With, like, a with a scythe? Yeah. First of all, the lat development on this gentleman. <laughs> but, oh yeah, but, like, for sure. The counts. Yeah, because that, that's crazy. Yeah. The yeah. technique. Yeah. Didn't cut his own feet off? I'm nope. impressed. <laughs> or um, the guy, uh, I think he was on Instagram or whatever, the guy who can paint anything with any implement mm-hmm. and he can like paint it upside down and backwards. Mm-hmm. Like he, I, we've seen him paint stuff with a dumbbell. Um, like it, you, you should probably look See, it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're just like, crazy. and he'll do it. And you're like watching it. And you're like, I don't know. That doesn't really look like anything. And then he finishes it, and you're like, no, nah, I don't see it. And then he turns it upside down and and flips it around, and you're like, oh, that's the portrait of his child. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> How did that man know he yeah. could do that? Like, what? Right. Like, how do you just start taking stuff? I'm like, I'm gonna paint with this today. Fuck. Hey, hey, you know, we bought you a whole set of brushes for Christmas. Yeah, I know that's yeah, cool, but I'm gonna just use this cup and this microphone instead. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, how did he know? That's what I'm saying. It's a certain vision. So in conversation, to some degree, I like to believe that that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm being that observer and I'm there and I'm seeing what can happen. And I know that a lot of other people don't see what could be because I listen to people have conversations and I'm like, what the fuck? Well, and they could be professionals too, like people that we see on news stations mm-hmm. oh or gosh. people having interviews that are just like music artists, celebrities, whatever. Or again, just lay people having conversations. I see all these little follies and fumbles and drops. Like you didn't, you didn't think to ask this question. Like that didn't. Right. Like where is your mind at? Like what's what's going on here? You don't realize that you're making this person extremely uncomfortable with the way that you're. You know, if you just like pull back and you did this thing, you'd find a whole lot more rhythm and it'd be so much better. That goes back to setting your intention or having an intention in the in the first place in those conversations. And unfortunately, I mean, at least with news, the the intention is not always to like glean the truth. The intention is to entertain. So mm. they're just going to do whatever they need to do to be entertaining. Be yeah, as drive the numbers pro- up. Yeah, be as provocative. Make That'd people as uncomfortable. I need these it. clicks. Yeah, I need these clicks. I need these views. Mm-hmm. That's unfortunate. Yeah, people get in their own way, and they they miss out on what I think could be much more fulfilling, much more enriching. Because when you can connect with people, you can find out just what they're up to. Like if somebody comes up to you and they're, you know, this is a 14 year old who's the world's greatest opera singer at the same time. And you go, 
who designed your gown? Like, are there deeper questions that you could ask of this person? Are there like more substantial things you can ask about what the human experience is like yeah. to be this person? Yeah. Like, how, the, how do you have the opera lungs on you at 14? Talk to us about it. Yeah. yeah. It was like, what is your childhood? Like, I know what my child, I was, I'm a former child. I know what I did. Right. I see what you're doing and it's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I'm interested in. Don't talk to me about how your clothes have this design. Like, I mean, that's fine. Just know that I know that there's something much more substantial about you than just yeah. the designer clothes you're wearing. Yeah. I mean, again, if you're into the designer clothes yeah. and you feel like that has that has something behind it. I, I talked to someone on here. Her name was Erin about because her favorite color is cerulean blue. OK. And we talked about the only reason why I know that that's a color is because there's a movie called The Devil Wears Prada with Meryl Streep and Anne Hathaway and Andrew, Adrian Grenier from Mad Long Ago. But there was a point where Anne Hathaway, she's she's an intern. She don't really want this job, but she's not really enthused about it. She finds a love later on. So this way, same way we're talking about how we find love and what people are interested in. And she starts making fun of like these people having a conversation about if this blue, if it should be this blue or that blue. And she's just looking at him like, you fucking idiots. Like, <laughs> like where am I even working at right yeah. now? And then Meryl Streep's like, so something's funny to you? Like, what's, 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 you, what's you laughing at yeah. over there? And she's just like. It's the same. It's the same color. She's like, oh, you know nothing, John Snow. It's the same. <laughs> it's the same. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> you know, you okay? <laughs> it's like okay. You think that's the same blue? Not only let me tell you that it's not the same blue. Let me tell you exactly why it's not. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you where this blue came from. With like the backstory to cerulean blue, and you got me. Th- and and again. The people that even created that scene knew just how important insight to something is. Yeah. Because you can take something that none of us probably and then nobody that turned that movie on when it came on or went to the theater to see it give a fuck about Cerulean Blue. <laughs> yeah. Nobody cared. But that scene, the people that created it had the mass uh, the mastery to be able to understand if we give proper insight we can make the people care about a color Mm. we can make we can give them insight and and show importance behind this color and why these things matter so you're right if 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 we're talking about a 14 year old opera singer chances are you should probably be talking about some of the logistics that go into being an opera singer Mm -hmm. if that person for if they're flaunting their dress or whatever it is they're wearing and they seem proud and mm-hmm. confident in it God, I can see this. that being an opener it'd be yeah. like yo does this mean something to you and yeah. if it does How what is it like this yeah exactly like who was this did the people did the stylist get in touch with you or the designer get in touch with you what is what is that like yeah. what, what does that mean to you what does it mean for them for you to be their muse right now mm-hmm. being a 14 year old opera singer so again see for me this is the vision like these are the things so I see the dress okay I'm not here to just talk to you about this dress but you're here. You feel comfortable in it. Mm-hmm. You're beaming. So mm-hmm. let's go ahead and talk about it for a second. Right. And then we can move on. Yeah. And that's a lot of the the power of small talk mm-hmm. where a lot of people think that it's not necessary. I know a lot of people, a lot of deep thinkers yeah. hate the shit. Mm-hmm. They're just like, yo, I just want to get to the consciousness. <laughs> I just want to get straight to the mindfulness. Yeah. And that's just not how human beings work right. a lot of times. So you have to try to find ways to, you know, gracefully step people into these conversations. Do you do you have a, do you have a hard time doing that? I've gotten better at it because, like I said, for 
professional reasons. Yeah. They're like, hey, there's a networking event. Do you want to go to this? And I'm like, do I want to go? I, I will go to this. I will go. And I will. You, know, you excited? <laughs> Am I excited? I'll be in attendance. <laughs> like, I don't. I can't. I can't promise you I'm excited. Am I, am I excited? I'll be in attendance. <laughs> oh my God. Present. That's the best answer. That's the best answer ever. Oh, are you kidding me? I'll be there. <laughs> You'll be able to see me. Yeah. 3D. Physically oh, present. Shit. Here I am. Yeah. So, you know, you go to those situations and you do a lot of small talk. And it's making me appreciate that that is part of what people do. But like the thing that I said about this 14-year-old opera singer and... It just reveals to me where I think things are superficial, which may not be to somebody because uh, thinking about fashion designers, I had an experience when I was younger. I went to this vocational school for culinary arts for a little bit, just like a summer program. Okay. And somebody was messing up something with some butterfly shrimp. And our teacher was a chef, like a legit chef. He went off because they weren't taking it seriously. And I was like, oh, he is a chef. It is what he is. This, This isn't just, we're just at school. This is not just something he does. This is... His vocation. This is how he spends his life. This is how he expresses himself. This is how he can be honest. So I'm always reminded, like, okay, just because you, Vince, think something is superficial, understand that it's part of a layer for somebody of something that might really be substantial, yeah, real, yeah. So, and those are the best. If you if you think that it is superficial mm-hmm. and you give a shit less about it, and then they find a way to show you, oh yeah, that's yeah, the, that's, oh yeah. Yeah. Like, I had no idea. Like, I do like. Th- I what? love thinking thoughts that I hadn't come across before because I'm like, oh, cool! I hadn't even thought that at all before. Like, not I, to be not, excited about that, right? Yeah. I, didn't, <laughs> I hadn't flirted with it. I didn't see it off in the distance. I had never thought that before. Mm-hmm. Right. I have such an appreciation for people who can bring that to you. Yeah. Because like, oh man, this is, this is great. I'm still exploring. I'm out here. I'm doing mm-hmm. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm thinking, learning. So that's oh, cool. I love it. The tab that I had open that I'm going to reopen now okay. and go back to oh, yeah. <laughs> was a little while ago, um, <clears throat> we were talking about how we had all met at the gym. Mm-hmm. And you were like, yeah, Earl, so where the fuck you at? <laughs> Pussy. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> say like, that. Where you at? Like, we ain't seen you. Okay. So first and foremost, you said just like yoga, just like any other sort of exercise or really anything. The thing in and of itself isn't all it is. It's not all it's cracked up to be. It encapsulates much more. If you can be ushered into it and understand the intricacies by some sort of shaman, you would be that shaman in this in this scenario. You'd be the shaman. <laughs> hey, that's not bad. Like you might need you might need to like coin that. You might fitness shaman because you much more than just training. Like you doing. No, a little I'm bit gonna more. coin that and then get sued yeah. by an actual shaman. A fitness shaman. <laughs> So one of the many things that CrossFit Gym, and again, I've been twice, that I can see is fantastic about it is camaraderie. It's the fellowship, mm-hmm. right? And I think that that's probably one of the bigger deals about it is the fellowship. So cable television <laughs> okay <laughs> okay i I'm, I'm waiting for the nuanced version i think we kind of all are and maybe it is and i'm just out of the loop and don't know the nuanced version of cable television which is the streaming platform that encapsulates more streaming platforms uh-huh. right so instead of having to pay for hulu netflix disney plus amazon prime whatever else i can just pay for this thing 
and I get them all, which is what cable was. If that's what if Amazon's gonna buy Disney (laughs) and the rest, whatever it is, but to roof it under one house is awesome. Okay. I actually go to the gym, my gym, and I actually because I talked to another CrossFit person, they're like, yeah, but the thing is, when people talk about all the things that their gym has. Our question back to him is, yeah, but do you use them? <laughs> I actually do. Okay. I'll go get in the pool. I'll go get in the sauna, sweat out. I, I've taken total body conditioning classes before. I take yoga, try to do at least twice a week. A good week is three. Um, I haven't played basketball there yet. But I do. I try to get it, you know, in part with everything. I try, I try to take part in everything. So it's it's difficult for me to... And also, I'm not necessarily someone that needs people to scream at me, right, to do what I need to do. Again, I'm the type of person that sort of aligns with yours, which is we, we going in there and we're doing it. Mm-hmm. We we getting it done. Mm-hmm. And that was me on the row machine, by the way. I was like, I'm about to pass the fuck out, but I'm about to get this. <laughs> Mikey says, hold on, I didn't hear him. Yeah, like that's just, that's just kind of what it is. That's the mentality. I came here to do this. I'm doing it. There right. is no in between. I'm not I'm not dipping my toes in. That's not what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. So because I actually, because my gym houses all the things that I like to do for regular gym prices right i see what you guys got going on i see why certain people would absolutely need it mm-hmm. i understand why a lot of people would love it and i might have a second gym if i had money like that i might even have like a second gym and and do that but my but so the problem that i run into is Okay, I I don't want to I don't want to buy just Disney Plus. I want a streaming service that gives me all the streaming services. So that's why for the prices that most CrossFit gyms come to you with, mm-hmm. I couldn't do just the wor- the hardcore working out for that. I didn't know you were going to open this tab just to give me a really long preface excuse. I didn't think that's what you were going to do. <laughs> well, I try to not let people know sometimes where I'm headed. Yeah, I didn't see that coming until the very end. Because you but could now, stop me early now on. Now I hear where and, we're at. Yeah, now yeah, I see yeah. where we're at. No, no, no. That makes, that makes perfect sense. Um, I, I, I think, obviously, why I believe in what I do is because I think coaching is so important. Mm-hmm. I don't know what gym you go to. Yeah. Um, but that one, that one life fitness in Gainesville. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and I, and I do totally get there's a lot of different amenities there. Um, the thing that uh, people pay for when they come to a CrossFit gym is the coaching. Yeah. Um, and I don't think. I mean, I know that that's kind of how we've talked about it so far, but I'm not a coach who will just scream at you to go harder. Like there's a lot that goes into coaching. And I think it's part of why it can be such an interesting vocation for so long because shaman, (laughs) because uh, what you get into is communication. What you get into is learning about people. What you get into is, is helping people. Um, So I obviously like I believe in the prices that we charge because I believe in the service yeah. that we that we give people. <laughs> Spoken like a true saleswoman. She killed it. That was fantastic. <laughs> it was 
I believe in the product. <laughs> I believe in the service. Yeah. So you got it, of course. No, I mean, and, no, it, and no. it does ta- sound totally salesy, but no. like uh, that's... You can't do it for 10 years unless you believe in it. Yeah, I mean, and I... Oh, and if you are doing that, ooh, that's a rough life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. should oh. go do something else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, like I uh, believe in the value that I contribute to my community, which is, uh, you know, like in this context is uh, that gym. Um, so, I mean... Obviously, I'd love for you to be to be there, but I also know that it's not for everybody, mm. you know. And like I said, all I heard was a really long excuse, but I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah, let, no, I'll give it to you. <laughs> please, please, excuse me. I'm, I'm hoping that everyone that hears this will excuse me. <laughs> I will yeah. stop asking where you are. <laughs> um, no, but I do That's have cool. I do have one more free visit, I believe, if that thing hasn't like ran up or exp- expired or whatever. Mm-hmm. And but but I was telling Mikey that I might, and he may have told you I may go over to the other side and get beat up a little bit because okay. there's yeah you guys do like some there's some sort of martial arts going on there. Yeah, yeah some we just rotate. We just we just just pick it out of a hat. A little bit of Muay Thai. No, I'm kidding. We yeah. do yeah. jujitsu. <laughs> yeah, jujitsu and Muay Thai. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yep. so what? Wait, have you all both done it? Yeah. Yes. Oh, do you all do it like regularly? I did. Yeah, I was Not competitor anymore. for a good while. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is a purple belt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tell, okay. So what on on a very first day, what would they do to me? What <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they do to you? What they what they, do, what they or would do for you? <laughs> usually the, the pair service you with. they would provide. Yeah. Man, you guys are good. You guys are good, man. What they do for you? <laughs> good team. Good team. Yeah, you know, you just go out and usually get paired with a more senior belt who can help you take things at a pace that makes sense for you, for your athletic background, for your experience level, and uh, that matches your interest. If your like, desire, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're like, hey, I'm here because I, I want to do UFC. It's like, okay, well, that oh, is its own thing. Yeah. Oh, that happens. It does happen. That happens a lot. But yeah, you know, just pop up first day. I'm trying to get in the UFC. What's yeah, up? What y'all got? Conor McGregor, where you at? You know, like, yeah, so being we paired up. We should just let with, that happen one time. Like, I feel like, obviously, it wouldn't be with Conor McGregor, but somebody's like, I'm going to do UFC. Like, if Elder was still at the gym, I'd be like, well, cool, go fight this guy. I will tell you, it has fleshed itself out multiple yeah, times. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, goes, I don't actually recommend about- that as a coach at CrossFit Manassas Vanguard Gym. That is not what I'm advocating. Just as a personal person, Blaze Holland would find that very funny. As a member, I advocate for it. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of times... People need humbling experiences. It's, yeah, and it's they can still get it. And that's what's, that's what's cool about jujitsu is that you can get it in a very safe way. There's yes. no striking in jujitsu. Right, 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 um, right. So, and especially if you're paired with a senior belt, actually, that happens to Vince a lot. Um, uh, you know, because like guys will come in and they have a wrestling background, but they don't do any jujitsu, so they don't know it. So they're very athletic. They're good grapplers, and you definitely can't put people like that with a big ego with. Uh, more junior belts with people that have, haven't been around as long because they're going to get balled up and they're probably going to get hurt yeah. by this person. But if you let them go with somebody like Vince, Vince a good is good dance like, partner. Just pick a good dance partner. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a great dance partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, being paired with somebody that can express their fitness and their jujitsu in a way that's safe for you and for them, that's one of the biggest benefits because you're not going to hurt them because they can do things at the right tempo. Mm-hmm. And that dance partner analogy, you're not going to step on their feet. You know, like yeah. they're going to move the right way to keep you safe and to show you the moves get you through the warm up, get you into the technique mm-hmm. and get you the reps so that you're enjoying what you're doing and progressing at the same time. So you're not just like, oh, I'm just floundering. You're not going to flounder. We'll just take you through the steps. You're going to feel comfortable the whole yeah. time. You're going to challenge yourself when the time comes for it, but not in a way that's going to discourage you. Yeah. Yeah. That's God. And that's huge. That actually uh, just made me think back to 
Okay, so you don't want to you don't want to be discouraged because you don't want to try to take something on that is clearly just outside of your realm. There's clearly just you just got no business doing this thing. It doesn't mean that just because you can't do it. You should just stop trying this thing. You suck. Go home. You're a pussy. You you just you haven't been taken step by step to get to that step yet. Mm-hmm. Curiosity. One of the theories mm-hmm. is information gap theory. Okay. Right. This is the one that stuck with me the most. It's the one that made most sense to me is what makes us curious is a piece of information being just far away from from your consciousness to where it seems as though it's challenging, Mm -hmm. but it's close enough to where it doesn't seem like it's just like this rocket science. Like there's no point in me trying to just figure out rocket science in the next three months. Right. In, in my mind. Now, again, these are narratives that, that we spin and maybe, maybe I could understand it if I, if my mind was open to it. Mm -hmm. Right. But you close yourself off. So you'll, you'll never know that thing. But if, the piece of information in in question is far enough away to seem challenging and productive and fun in that sense, but close enough to where it seems as though you could actually understand it if you put in that time and effort. Mm-hmm. That's sort of what creates curiosity for a lot of people. Hmm. Now, for a lot of people. Now, what's interesting is, again, for every individual, that sweet spot is different because for a lot of people they could that you think are a little bit more narrow minded and just closed off than other people. They could think that a lot of things in life are just they're, they're out of my lane. And that's when you start to hear people say, like, that ain't me. Mm-hmm. This goes back to identity. That ain't me. I don't do that. You know what I mean? I stay in my lane. Mm-hmm. I just want to know. I just want to be right here. Miss Robin, you heard that. <laughs> this is this is comfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do anything outside of that. You also spoke about why would you not want to be a more thoughtful person? You asked this question a long time ago. Why would you not want to be a more thoughtful person? Well, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> because I mean, because to try to think and to try to expand your consciousness, expand your, mm-hmm. you know, broaden your horizons again, uh, expand your lens on things, that that takes that comes at a price. Yeah. Like that does take a mental cost mm-hmm. on you. And then you slowly step into the the realm of willful blindness, right? I don't want to know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I want to have plausible deniability for as long as possible. I don't want to know that I'm wrong at looking at this thing this way, because then once I know it's wrong, now I got to hold myself accountable. Mm-hmm. Now I got to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Now I got a whole bunch of work to do because this because this motherfucker wanted to teach me something mm-hmm. about about the way I was looking at stuff. Like, I don't want to do that. I want to stay in this lane. Know this thing, like know the few things that I've learned up until this point, and I'm good. I've gotten here. I mm-hmm. find a way to eat and close myself every day. I, this is all the information I need. I don't want to know anything more. That's that's a rough space to be in. But again, to answer your question, I think that's why a lot of people would. When you're a kid. You get in trouble. It's all right. Don't worry about it. This is the way that we do things. Some weeks or some months go by. You do that shit again. You know better. Mm-hmm. You know better. We've been through this before. You now you in trouble because mm-hmm. you know better. Yeah. So that's just what people are trying to get away from. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's all. You, you said you said you were a former child when you're talking to the the hypothetical 14 year old opera mm-hmm. singer. 
You're like, you know, I, I was a former child, but please <laughs> tell me. My whole thing is we all children, we just kept having birthdays. We just kept yeah. breathing. And the a lot of the intelligence, emotional or not, that you would expect it for people to have or to garner through the years, that's just that's another narrative you're spinning in your mind. You don't like why why do we expect for people to grow this way? And therefore, why are we upset? When we are confronted with the idea that people are not growing this way, it's really, it's really quite ass backwards. <laughs> the way there's so a lot of the expectations that we have of people mm-hmm. in a general sense. It's yeah. like, why would we expect for these people to be on this level that we're talking about? To be trying to be a thoughtful person, a mindful person, to be yeah. looking at what they're doing, paying attention to how they're treating people. Why do we expect that out of people? Honestly. I think I don't ever get bent out of shape about it anymore because I see that it's some sort of a survival thing. I know that humans do not survive in complete isolation, that they thrive in communities, they thrive when they cooperate. And sometimes people who are a certain degree of thoughtful are thought of or viewed as like uncooperative. Why don't you just go along to get along? Why don't you just be what our collective- Get with the program. Get with the program. Why don't, don't you rock go the with boat. the flow? Fall in line. Yes. So there are people who hear those things and they go, hmm, an opportunity for survival. I need to fall in line. I need to not be the nail that sticks out or I'll be hammered down. So I try and be compassionate and I'm like, for okay, sure. you're trying to survive. And like, True, yeah. I understand. Strength in, strength in numbers. I understand the need to survive and to, to feel valid and to know that you won't be validated mm-hmm. if you- think or act this certain way. So I get it. I'll still connect and share with you, but just know that some part of me knows that there is even more value to be had if you can be more thoughtful. I'm empathetic to it. This is what you're doing to get your needs met, but just know that this is where I'm at on it. Yeah, because it's wild to expect for just someone to just leave the herd. Yeah. Like, that's just wild to think. It's like everything I know is over there. All the people, everything. Like, what do you mean you want me to just walk off and just go wander and figure things out? Like, that doesn't come natural to most people. I don't want to do that. I think the thing I'm impatient with about people is that because I I do try to be empathetic. I'm obviously not perfect, but I do try to be empathetic and just acknowledge that these people are doing what they have been conditioned to understand works best. Mm -hmm. Um, But where I become less patient is when those people are like, look at how independent of a thinker I am. Look at how, uh, how much I stand out. Uh, Mm. Look at, you know, look at how much, you know, I don't fall in line while they're like literally in the middle of the line of the whole herd. (laughs) They're like, I do what I want. And I'm like, I don't think you do that. That's, that's a, that's the strange like disconnect for me. And I'm, I find myself less patient with people. That brings like that. me right back to what he said about you being empathetic about their survival tactics. Mm-hmm. That person has to believe that thing mm-hmm. in order to feel as though they are whoever they've created in their mind. Right. Because I'm a I'm an independent thinker. I'm a free thinker. Right. I march to the beat of my own drum. Mm-hmm. Like I I'm I, you're not putting me in the pack with everybody else. And they have to do that to feel like that person that they've mm-hmm. created. And so that's that's a survival technique because, who, again, like you said, who am I if I'm not this thing? Mm-hmm. If I'm not this thing I've created and I've built up over the years, then who am, who am I? If I'm not an independent thinker, do I just think what everybody else does? That's would not you, something you would want to believe about yourself. No, and like yeah. what you were saying before, if they're faced with something that's valid, well, now they got a lot of work to do. It's like, oh, if I got to put down this old identity that's not serving me, oh, I got to do a lot of work to build a new one. 
And people don't want to face that down because they're like, well, that was, oh, I gave years of my life becoming X or leaning into this and investing in this way. I don't want to go invest in something else. I don't want to give up the benefits that I've enjoyed. I don't want to move away from the comfortability that I experience with this idea. I love the idea of myself as this sort of a professional, this sort of a husband, a friend, a podcast guest. And I'm only going to stay this way because I keep the level of comfort that I enjoy. And sure, I could be freer. But honestly, they won't say this to themselves or to other people, but honestly, it's about the quality of life that I enjoy. Mm. And so freedom is a big deal. And we always celebrate the most uncommon people who punt the system and they Mm. are free thinkers. But, you know, it's like, do you know what it's like to be that person? Do you know a lot of these uncommon people are hated? Are they're, they're talked about? They're maligned? They're assassinated? Like these people, they show you examples of greatness and then you find out that a lot comes with it. That's not a free lunch them being uncommon. Mm -hmm. It is their right to be uncommon if they can, to do uncommon kinds of work, uh, to put in, to be attached to an uncommon work ethic. But a lot of people who don't want to be real free uh, people, they learn that instead that they're going to supplement that with a work obsession. I am who I am at work nine to five. And that is me because they, they're not ready yet to uncover who they want to be, how they want to feel a sense of contribution and not just productivity. So, their, their whatever their job is might be contribution, them. not yeah. just productivity. They, I think a lot of people don't even know that those aren't the same thing, right? And yeah. If, if and they probably like if I'm not producing, mm-hmm. then I'm not contributing. Yeah. If I'm not giving something, if, like if I'm not earning money, if I'm not doing this, then it, it doesn't mean anything. A lot of that comes from extreme consumerism, right? But if I'm yeah. not producing, then what am I? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. Like, what value do I really have to my community? Which speaks a lot of the community, of the co- the questions that the community asks, because that makes me think that people believe the community is asking them, where is your productivity? Mm-hmm. Not that I care about what it is you actually do contribute or what matters to you to contribute. I want to know what you um, produce. Right. So it's like, it's a uh, cyclical, like yeah. we believe that that's what our community wants. So that's what we do. Nerd. So <laughs> cyclical. <laughs> Could have easily that's, been like, it's like a cycle. <laughs> that's cyclical. That's very low bar. Very low bar. Merriam Webster, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right. Cyclical. No, 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 three no, syllables. No, no. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Using words with C's and Y's right next to each other. Like, what are you doing? No, but no, but no, I, I do feel you on that. It's it's either that 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 the community is actually asking for that, or it's also that there again with the all the different people in the room that you're thinking that the people are requesting that from you mm-hmm. or that they're expecting that from yeah. you mm-hmm. and and no one is right yeah. and you're just stressing yourself out for no fucking reason mm-hmm. which in effect could make it as real as anything because mm-hmm. in your mind you've decided this is reality they expect this of me and even if no one said it your your operating system has decided that they've said yeah it, it might as well be it's so for it might you as well it be is real yeah. like and you can see that in people that go to extremes with what they believe to be true it's like wow they they paid a serious price they must have truly believed it they must have believed it was real and concrete they must have known it like they know there's gravity even though there's no other evidence of it so yeah but their mind made it real and your Mm -hmm. mind is insanely powerful like i don't know if you ever watched the jordan peterson sam harris debates that they had Uh, i was like three i think there were maybe three of them yeah um, where Eric weinstein did the mediation mediation Mm -hmm. for two of them i believe yeah i think i saw those I don't think I saw all four of them. I think I saw two of them. Um, 
But either way, a lot of the crux of the conversation, because a lot of this had to do with belief, right? And mm-hmm. religion. So I think what an old, an old, you know, paradigm, the conversation was, is it real or is it not? I think that's an old way. I think that that's an outdated way of having the discussion. I think what was sort of at the crux of their conversation and which is a much more interesting, at least to me, conversation to have is, do you believe that maybe sometimes we ought to believe things that are untrue because they have a better outcome for us than, mm-hmm. than just trying to believe and take on everything that is true as best as we can perceive truth. If we promise, if we have a promise is your way of dictating the future. And so if we promise to do the work, then you should believe an untrue thing if it's not true yet. Like, hey, I'm going to be a great husband. Believe it. Believe it because you're going to choose to love your your spouse today and tomorrow. And even if it's not true yet, because, you know, you could be in the dating stages. That might not be true. You could be a bum ass husband. (laughs) But it's like, I don't know, wake up every day and commit to being that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, tell yourself that untrue thing or that tentatively true thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know how else to think about that, but maybe don't lie to yourself if you can help it. But, yeah, it could be a benefit to tell yourself something that's not fully true yet. Is this along the lines of uh, Jordan Peterson's argument for uh, religion as a um, as a means of like helping the community be better? Is that is that the context of that uh, conversation? Yeah, because I think a lot of it goes to you know it was really really interesting. One of the most shocking and exciting moments for me in it was Jordan Peterson saying it. You know. Mostly, if you're not that gifted, cognitively speaking, and it's okay to say it's okay, mm-hmm. right? It's better to be a more conventional, uh, conservative person. Not to say that all conservatives, if you deem yourself that, like you're stupid, but it's just better to be more conservative and better to to be proud in, and he didn't say this because this sounds kind of wild, but re- remaining a sheep. In just remaining with the herd Be- because what Sam Harris or what someone else may be purporting is that we need to be able to find what we can do through through thinking, through logic, through communications, through thinking through things. And Jordan Peterson saying you everyone can't do that. Hmm. Some people just need. Let me just give you this list of rules. We can call them the Ten Commandments if you want to. But let me just give you this list of rules. Just do these things. Because if you go out in the world trying to just think about things for yourself Mm. and figure things out as you go, your life is going to be terrible because you're just not cognitively gifted. And Sam Harris replied with, "Okay, I'm going to try to give you an out because what you're saying is that the dumb people need their religion and that the smart people can figure things out without it. And Jordan Peterson was like, I'm not taking back my statement. I said what I said. What do you think about that? Um, I think that it was a very ballsy thing for him to say. I think that he believed it when he said it. I'd have to, I think with the information I have now and what I've seen in the field of life, (laughs) I'd have to, I'd have to, I'd have to go with that. I'd, I'd, I'd have to go with that because I hear Sam Harris speak about stuff and I've been following this guy for like 10 years and I hear him speak about stuff. It's like, dude, you're an extremely intelligent, like you're an extremely cognitively gifted person. And 
a lot of the things that you're asking people to do step by step theoretically sounds fantastic. And maybe this is one of those things that we need to maybe, ironically speaking, uh, believe until it comes true that we can get to this place where people can just think these things through. Mm. But we're not there yet. I don't think that we're there yet. I've read a book um, by a guy named Nathan C. Schaefer. It came out a long time ago, but it's called uh, Thinking and Learning to Think. And the very first thing that is it, it opens up with is the process of thinking. Like what it is to actually think about something. And I'm reading this. I'm like, no one's people are not thinking. People, people are not thinking like you, you're not really going through. People have thoughts spring into their consciousness. And they're like, oh, damn, like that was a thought. Like I thought about that. And for the most part, that's where it ends. Like, damn, yeah. And people will say in conversation, oh, I thought about this the other day. What they mean is this, for whatever mix of reasons, this popped into my mind. So I thought about it. I had a thought. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought about that thing the other day. But they didn't take that thing and then distill it down to like its fundamental building block and truly understand what this thing is. It's it's th the process of really critically thinking yeah. is much is so much more rare than or rarer is what I should have said. So much rarer than we really know. It is. It it's it's so much more. So I kinda yeah, I kinda I, I see where he's coming from with that. Super tidy sidebar. That's one thing that people work on with machine learning is to try and get a machine to think. By basically breaking a thought and expression down into its parts, mm -hmm. mm. that is what that's that's how we understand thinking. It's it's what we want to be able to mirror in machines. Mm -hmm. um, to the original uh, remark, I don't know Jordan Peterson personally. Obviously, like if I had his phone number, I would text him or something. But I think that's consistent with what I what, what I do know of him. That he's like theologically minded, but he's not a believer in a religious sense. Yes, and so I think that's consistent with what I've heard him say about things that are beneficial on a societal level mm. from religion. So I think that that does, it makes sense that that's, that that was his view of it. What do you think about what he said about that? If you don't, if you consider yourself to not be as cognitive, cognitively gifted that you, it would be better for you to be more conservative and have the rules laid out for you. Cognition is such a big picture. I think you could be mathematically gifted and then you're, with words, you're not that strong or vice versa, mm -hmm. or you're not great with words or math, but you have a really good grasp on putting things in an order that works well. So maybe you could build cars. Maybe you're not an automotive engineer, but you can turn a wrench better than anybody. Mm -hmm. So to me, I'm like, this is a form of cognition. So I can't, it doesn't gel with me perfectly. And I'll, I'm only, I'm only being so. I think he speaks about the the processing of information. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of what he's talking about. Like, say we have a, a bicycle, mm -hmm. right? This is the way I like to look at it. Uh, you could say, okay, that's 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 a bicycle. Um, you, you get on it and and you ride that motherfucker, and that's and that is, <laughs> and and that's me thinking about a bike. Like, I that's that's what a bike is. It's easy. We can all see it. Like, that's what it is. But no one's thinking. Okay. We have a bicycle. First thing I have to think about is the fact that I'm I am to think about a bicycle and nothing else. I'm not talking about a tricycle. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about a motorcycle. I'm not talking about ATV. I'm not talking about any a boat. 
I'm talking about a bicycle. Yeah. And a lot of times in conversation, somebody will start talking about stuff and then you you see them go off and they start talking, bringing in all sorts of other stuff in their conversation. You're like, yo, we're not talking bicycle. about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bicycle is what we're talking about. Yeah. So that takes a certain clarity of mind to be able to pinpoint what it is we're about to speak about. Mm-hmm. So you have that. Next thing is I have to think about every different piece of the bicycle. Okay, so we got bicycle. So we got two wheels. We got a chain. There's a handlebar. We we got a seat on it. Okay, now I'm thinking about these individual things. How did they make this tire? What is this tire made out of? There's a rim in between. What is that rim there to do? Why does it have all these spokes? What is What are spokes there to do? Okay, this is a seat. Why do they make the seat this way? What is it made out of? Why is it raised this way? Handlebars, why are they put together this way? The chain, what is the thing of the chain? Why is it ha- is it best that it's this uh, consistency, that it's this material? Why so? Then you get done thinking about all the individual parts of the bicycle. Mm-hmm. The next step is how do each one of these pieces of the bicycle work in unison so I can to, ride that motherfucker. So I can <laughs> yeah. ride the bike. Yeah. Right. And then after that, what is the distinction between, um, you know, a bicycle and the rest of these things? What are commonalities between a bicycle and all these different parts and the way that all these different parts work together with other things in life? Mm-hmm. Right. That is the, these are steps of thinking something through. And so with every possible thing you can imagine on the planet, it is the bicycle uh, hypothetical. You can break every single thing down into all those steps. And so I think what he's saying is if you can't do that well, if mm-hmm. you can't process information like that well, that's just very, very difficult for you to do. You're going to have a very hard time getting up every day, walking through life and just trying to process the information and and navigate spontaneously. Or navigate accordingly to that. It's much better if you just have these list of rules and you read them before you walk out the house and you're like, okay, do that, 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 and that. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stick to the set of rules and go out here and do my thing. It's very interesting. And again, that's why I said it was so shocking Mm -hmm. that he said it on this stage in front of all these people because it was like, oh, shit. He just told dumb people to just sit down and just let some other people figure some things out for you. It's just, it's just what's best. It's not very, it's not very. It's uh, definitely easier. It's easier. Easier. Yes. I think about preferred outcomes when I think about best, because like if you do have some sort of a religious construct, your good and bad is probably built into that. Um, but I imagine Jordan broke that down religion into its parts. And he thought about like preferred outcomes. Hey, what you did is good or bad because it is, it is or is not consistent with what you're told to do according to your faith. Mm. Um, I just think that like to be successful is more than uh, to do what is easy or to do what is expedient. Yeah. Yeah. And also, and what's funny is that's actually a quote from him is Jordan Peterson also purports do what is meaningful, not what is expedient. So mm. that's, that's actually pretty yeah. interesting too. Yeah. It, I mean, and also there's the fact that, uh, <laughs> I mean, Speaking from what I believe, I know God's going to have something to say about it. When mm. you uh, show up and you are in front of him, God's going to be like, oh, so you uh, 
followed all these things because it was societally best. Like mm. that's not what faith is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it's it's frustrating for me for people to use those things interchangeably. Mm. Um, you know, I I understand what he's saying that having a set of rules is a good idea. We live in a society that has rules. We have a constitution. Yeah. We have laws. Um, but to I really I. I don't use this I don't use this word a lot but I think it is actually blasphemous to equate or or to to encourage somebody to use the rules of organized religion just because it's hard for you to figure out what's right and wrong and then call yourself a Christian like that's mm. I I am a Christian and I think that that's um diminishing it, it it's dimin- and it's and it's false. Like it's just it's just straight up false. Like that's not what mm-hmm. faith is. Right. Know? And then even so the distinction between like societal rules and laws and religion is important. Mm-hmm. But even the separation of faith and, and religion. religion yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, what yeah. Jesus had to say about the difference between faith and religion and how he was about around religious people. You know, so so there's that in my mind, there's that aspect of that conversation. Um, but also I I think that's really diminishing of people's own human agency to be Mm. like, Oh, well this is hard for you to figure out. So maybe you should let somebody else figure it out for you. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, fuck yourself. (laughs) But for me me though, it's you, cause you also have to deal with time, right? Like the amount of time on someone's hands. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the time people don't have the time to take out to, figure out these things. I realize I've been so blessed and so privileged that my family gave me, I mean, everything that they gave me as well as time mm-hmm. to be by myself, to ask questions, to think about things. I was never rushed or forced to do things, but a lot of people don't have that time granted to them. Mm-hmm. So they don't have time to sit around and try to read books and think about things and figure things out on this deep level. And it's very unfortunate because we know what can come out of it. Yeah. But if you don't have that time and you do have a set of rules that somebody drew up for you, it's like, well, fuck, man. Well, that's interesting, too, because we all have a set of rules that somebody yeah. else drew that somebody else drew up yeah. for us. And they're not just, you know, re- religious. No, there's, no, no. There's rules that we have that we don't even know that we have, you mm-hmm. know, like why when I go out that this is an example, but like why when I go out, do I feel like I have to have pants on? Like yeah, who said we, that? we talked about pants yeah. being just an acceptable idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or it, and this is probably uh, one that's a little bit more worth uh, diving into, but uh, not so much anymore. But why are there still women who feel like when they step out of the house, they have to be made up? <sighs> Whose rule is that? By the way, if you <laughs> didn't, if you didn't know, most of the demographic of this podcast, shocker, women. <laughs> huh. Hilarious, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah, but like. So here we go. Let's get into it. So who said that? You know, like, but but it's totally a rule that some of us feel. You know, I mean, but I mean, probably more like my mother's generation and like generations before that. Like, if you're out of the house, not put together, like. What are you doing? Yo, I just I just learned what a lace front was yesterday. I just (laughs) let me tell you something. I was like, damn, these people are good. These are some artists out here. Like, wait, so you telling me that there's a whole like little lace cap on the head and then they 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 blend it in and they cut it off and then it just looks like that? Oh shit. That's really crazy. But I and I was saying it to a woman, I was like, yo, I'm gonna be honest. A lot of the things 
that a lot of women do before they leave. Like, fuck, like, yo, I I get up early in the morning just because I get up early in the morning. I like ritual. I like meditation. I like do some yoga stretches, listen to some music, maybe read a book, play, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Eat food, all that sort of stuff, and then leave. So I usually give myself like hour 45 or whatever before waking up and having to get out the door or something like that. And I wake up early. I was about like four in the morning. Um, but as far as the getting ready part, like me in the bathroom, oh, you know what I'm saying? Brush teeth, wash your face, brush your hair out the door. We're gone. We're gone. So that, Go you ahead. mentioned consumerism earlier. We can talk about it if about, you want. You know, <laughs> the consumerism that you mentioned earlier makes me think about brands saying, hey, if you don't wear pretty girl lip gloss and you ain't pretty and them convincing an ambassador to say it too and then enough people hear it and they go hmm she is pretty I should be wearing that lip gloss and then it gets reinforced over the years Mm -hmm. and somebody else echoes it and somebody else but people at some point bought an idea and then some folks they just accepted it as part of who they were bro again all this stuff is interesting to me did you guys ever watch Mad Men when that was a thing Mm -mm. I think I've seen like one episode well it's really just about you know this guy Don Draper he's he's like this shark in the advertising agency and aside from just like all the salaciousness of it you just get to see sort of like what the inner workings of like the the boom of advertising was and it's so interesting to think like how did they get us to start buying all these things and you just see that they were just in there just smoking, drinking in the offices, doing whatever, mm-hmm. coming up with ideas on how to get to prey on our insecurities and our voids. Yeah. Right. And make you feel like you're nothing unless you have this new thing. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like cigarettes. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, like getting yeah. people to just like start buying cigarettes at a that high. meets a need. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you know, but they, but that's the the genius in it is finding a way to make you feel like you need this thing yeah. to be whole. They convinced pregnant women they need it. Right, they kept that around for it's a while. Funny, yeah, it's real <laughs> crazy. So, so the, I mean, the makeup and all sorts of stuff. I that's easy. That's mm-hmm. an easy sell. That's an easy, easy sell. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think the. The kind of, and I would need to listen to Jordan Peterson say it, but kind of the assumption in that argument there as well is that if you are smart, then you do have your own set of rules. And that's not the truth. You know, like, yeah, 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 okay, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's very true. So what I think happens is sort of like, let's say, so my idea of, you know, being excited, mm-hmm. a lot of times people just go out and they do things. You go out, you're going to drink because that's what the rest of the people here are doing. It's socially acceptable. Pick up that beer, drink that thing. I, I don't want to drink. You out with us. Drink the beer. Right. Hey, we're going on a trip. Are you excited? Yeah. Again, I'll be in attendance. Like, yeah. you know, you got to <laughs> act like you're excited. So there are these rules. So I think what it really where, where the rubber meets the road is. Can you, on a day-to-day basis, figure out how you can individually navigate what has already been placed in front of you? And it's cool. Of course, it's not going to be a completely original way because that doesn't even exist. Like, does doesn't even. That's not a real thing. But can you find your pseudo originality in in the navigation of this? Mm-hmm. And I think what he's saying is. For a lot of y'all, that's not going to happen. There's not going to be this pseudo originality in your moves. You're you. You might need to get in line, which which kind of 
sounds a little uh, pessimistic, right? Like there's a, a healthy dose of pessimism. Extreme lack of human agency. In, 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 in that saying. So yeah, it's it's all very wild. It's, yeah. it's, it's all it's, very, yeah. Very like wild. you said, it's a it's a shocking thing to hear somebody say. Very very he shocking was like, oh, thing. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Harris was like, "You sure you don't want to remix that?" Yeah. And he was like, "No, nope, no." But I, it just reminds me that he must have seen the usefulness in it. Yeah. It's like if this would work this way to allow people to move that way. He is definitely utilitarian. Yeah. yeah. That's that. He saw the utility in it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with seeing the utility in a thing. It's mm-hmm. just that when I look at human nature, it makes me. I don't know, a little bit sad to imagine it wasted on certain things. When I think about consumerism, I think about people who are just productive and they produce things. uh, They produce things that don't mean anything to them that are sold to people who don't actually have a need for the things. And it's like, well, that's hard. Like, it's hard for me to even think to think about that. Mm. It's like people, but their lives don't, even those people who produce a thing that means nothing to them sold to people who don't have any need for it. They, some of them don't have time don't have the time and the space or they're having a difficult time having a hard uh, go of it making space to think about these things to mm-hmm. think of what they want to find out if they might be creative and they could be you know if they had the space if they weren't just like uh, fueling the life by running on the rat way on, the, on the, the hamster wheel yeah and they, they they run on the hamster wheel to buy fuel to run on the hamster wheel you know what I'm saying it's yeah. like <laughs> there's that it. Like, ah, yeah. I'm like, oh my God, help these people. Yeah. But then even that, that breeds this. another conversation. It's like, help them. They could help themselves. It's like, oh <laughs> man. See, these, yeah, you guys are definitely going to have to come back. We're going to, like, 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 we yeah. just, so this guy gets a bit four. It's your bedtime. You know, man. yeah, this is, this is easy. But look, this is, this is easy, man. This is an easy, what are we at? We're, we're three hours right now. What? This is a, this is easy, easy three hours. That's what I'm saying. Like when you were like, "Did it take a lot of convincing?" I was like, "No." Yeah, I I love this. I love <laughs> it so much. And again, sometimes you just get together with people that you've seen once. You have no idea the magic that can happen. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay, so one thing first: Do you guys have anything at all that you would like to ask of me, to me, say, comment on, at all? You believe in astrology, or do you subscribe to astrology at all? I don't. You don't. Okay. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would. I don't know nearly enough. Like, I, I actually, I know nothing. I know nothing at all, except for usually when I am um, presented or confronted mm-hmm. by people that do. Usually, it's what's your sign? What's what's your sign? And just already with that bite to it, I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, so if I don't answer this right, and there's a good <laughs> chance I'm not going to, like, you'll never look, you'll never talk to me ever again in the Capricorn. Capricorn. Oh, <laughs> let me tell you about you, motherfucker. You're this type of person, and I don't rock with you, so. Equimini. I know you. You don't, though. Equimini. Equimini. I get my question. I'm trying to make sure that I ask this more often. What is something that you know that I don't know? Do you know that human beings on average speak somewhere between 150 to 250 words per minute? We can analyze about three or quadruple times that. So that gets in the way of people listening a lot of the time. A lot of times there are different types of noise called in communication that stop you 
from from getting the input. And it can be actual noise, you know, trucks, jackhammers, all this sort of stuff. It can be the noise created in your head. A lot of that noise is I'm going to take a little bit of this mental ram that I could use in listening to you. But instead of that, you're speaking at such a pace because you're just a normal human being where and don't you be a slow speaker at that mm. to where now I can think about what I'm going to eat later on. That sh- that show I'm about to watch when I get home on Netflix, like, you know, that conversation I had yesterday, I should have said that I, that was so stupid of me. Why did I say that? You have all this mental ram to think about so many other things because you could process four times the amount of words that is coming with the frequency out of people. So that's, that's interesting. That's a lot of nerd. <laughs> 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 Got to get that last one in there. <laughs> no, but that is interesting. That is, that is. Thank you. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so that's funny. <laughs> Everyone that comes here is required to give the people. <laughs> you're like, what the fuck? Required? Okay, he said there were no requirements. Now, now he come required. <laughs> Three hours into it, this was all fun. Tell me, kids, now he told me I had to do yeah. Just a little blood draw. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I keep all my slabs of blood in the bag. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just just a little something. Just a like really Dexter? Just, yo. A little memento. That is. Oh, shit. <laughs> Just some some parting words. We call it the last words for people. Parting words. It can be about something we spoke about today. It could not. It could be whatever the fuck mm-hmm. you feel like. But just some last words for the people. Since you were so excited, you go first, Blaze, please. I was terrified. You couldn't see my face, but I was terrified. <laughs> um, some last words for the people. Uh, give art a chance. Uh, I think that. Uh, the human expression found in art is what ties us together through time, what ties us together through space. And uh, when you're feeling like if you feel alone, misunderstood, unheard, uh, you'd be surprised what you can find from people that you haven't even met. So um, fiction, music, poetry, you know, like uh, just Anything that you were thinking about picking up and you're on the fence about, do it. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, go to therapy. Okay. <laughs> I like that. My last words are really just, I'm just, I'm super like happy that you all came here to do this. It's like true. doing this every week with just new people, yeah. new ideas. You never know what it's going to be, if it's going to be more fun. You know what? I, I You never know, by the way, this is one of those characteristics that, like you just can't see. You don't know when people are like funny. Mm-hmm. You don't. You don't know. Like you'd have to, you know, have catch some rhythm and have some conversation with them. Especially, you know, when I met you, you're training. You're like, pressure, pressure. like there was nothing funny about that in the moment for me. You know what I mean? And then, and then it's I met extremely you, not funny. And then I met you, and you were just very soft spoken and calm, cool, collected, and we had a conversation about you in the podcast, uh, your own podcast. Which, by the way, are you going to make that happen at some point? Is that like a... I am. I'm speaking into existence. Okay. Okay. That's something we're going to believe. Yeah. That's something we're going to believe in. It's not yeah. true yet. But we're going to believe in we, it. We manifest in it. Yes. 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 Yeah. Um, so doing this every week is just it's so much fun. But again, I, I could have never told you that there would have been as many laughs mm-hmm. as there were through this whole thing. And that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Like, I love the deep stuff. I love the deep stuff. But... 
what I think I love more than that is contrast. Yeah. So to be able to do this, are you kidding me? For us to be over here and clearly, you know, the you having the stroke, that actual mm-hmm. experience, along with you speaking to all the people you have spoken to for many years, is as heavy as it is, mm-hmm. right? The gravitas that comes with that through these microphones is felt through people. So for her to pop up and be like, you know, he did have a stroke, so he doesn't remember things too well. <laughs> that is yeah. fucking all like to yeah. have that contrast. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. you can have those little moments and then come back and get right on schedule and, yeah. and you know, yeah. and get to the destination. But I'm, I'm super glad that you all came here. Thank you so much. This is episode 90, 90 of this podcast. Awesome. Thank I'm you so much. We're a part of it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Peace.